With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. Owning a business comes with pressure. There's a limit to what I can do and still keep employees engaged. Fortunately, there's Insperity. They put 30-plus years of HR experience to work to help me with hiring, training, HR administration, and compliance, while giving my employees competitive benefit options. And because I'm able to focus on other priorities, my employees can thrive and my business can grow. With Insperity, nothing seems impossible. Insperity, HR that makes a difference. My name is Joanne. This is my father. I know what's happening with my body. I won't be able to take care of myself. When the time comes to get more support for your parents, care can help you find qualified caregivers nearby. What would help me is if there could be somebody there that could check in on you. I realize I have to do it. The best decisions are made with care. Find help for your mom or dad at care.com. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports, with your distinguished host, Adam. What was your reaction when you got notified that you were going to be a, a Hall of Famer? How does that sound to you, Coach O'Leary Hall of Famer? Yeah, I'm in a number of Hall inductions in a number of Hall of Fame. And Mike. I don't know if you know this, but I won the 5K race that we did. Oh, boy. Now, here are the guys. Do not adjust your dials, my friends. It is the Sons of UCF. This is episode number 166. My name is Adam. And as always, no surprise to anybody, my friend and yours, Mr. UCF Mike is back for another week. Mike, greetings, my friend. How are you? Doing fantastic, man. I'm very excited about this show. We just did a great interview with our buddy. And I think this is going to be a really good one. There's never a slow time around here. I know you were saying there's not much to discuss. We were talking before the show, but I'm sure we're going to figure out plenty of things. Yeah, I, I did say that. And and there are some things we will figure out. Mike, we'll do cow of the week. Obviously, it's always a fun time. We enjoy doing that. 
uh, a brand new game that we're going to debut this evening that you might not want to have your kids around for. It's just a spoiler alert early on, so hide the kitties if you're in the car. Uh, you might not want them around for this game. And then, obviously, we'll do our, we'll do our headlines, you know, a few things moving and shaking there in UCF World. And then Mike mentioned a very fun interview that we did. Uh, and uh, you have to watch the YouTube variety. So if you're listening to this, you'll hear the audio of it. It's great, but you might want to find the YouTube page of the Sons of UCF. There's a... Uh, uh, some interesting mood lighting uh, took place throughout the interview, and uh, you may or may not see a grotesque body part. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you decide which body part that is. So, come find the YouTube <laughs> channel for the Suns UCF. If you want to check all that out. While you're doing all that, though, make sure you find all the other social media stuff where uh, Suns UCF are at. That's on Twitter. That's on Facebook. That's on YouTube. That's our website, twonightsmedia.com. Make sure you're on Instagram, following us on Sons of UCF there. Uh, make sure you're following Mike at UCF Mike One, and then Trace, who joins us every Thursday night for the live show at Sign Pez. I think that's all the work you have to do, Mike. And from here, we'll take care of the rest. Just sit tight. We got it from here, everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's what we're here for. That's our job: entertain you people, keep you informed. I think we've been doing a pretty decent job of that for the last few years. So here we go. What number is this? One sixty-six. One sixty-six. Let's go. Well, before we do anything, Mike, another uh, start of the show. Again, not a whole lot of news um, has come out about this, but again, we want to make sure we're continuing to send our thoughts and prayers to uh, Christy Malzahn, Gus Malzahn's wife. Uh, sounds like she's still um, battling um, some uh, some serious illness, and uh, not a lot of info has been released uh, since our last show. So, uh, Mike, I know I, I speak for you when I say or, you know we'll continue to have her and, and Gus and their entire family in our thoughts. Hopefully, things are getting better. Uh, but uh, thoughts and prayers out to the Malzahn family, and uh, we hope Christy has a, a speedy and healthy recovery really soon. Yeah, I mean, it's been a week. We haven't heard anything that gets me a little nervous. I mean. A lot of times you say no news is good news. In this case, I wish they would just let us know that <laughs> everything is okay. Hopefully, um, we'll find that out here in the next couple of days. So we're thinking about Christy and Gus and the whole family and hope everything turns out all right. Again, no easy segue onto football news, Mike, but uh, Gus's team at least is continuing to take shape off the field. Uh, another transfer announcement this past uh, week uh, a defensive tackle, Mike, uh, 6'4", 200, I'm sorry, 321-pound kid by the name of Lee Hunter, a four-star kid who was at Auburn, excuse me, out of, uh, out of Mobile, did not uh, play for Auburn last year. So, Mike, uh, Mr. Lee Hunter has four years of eligibility. Again, he's a D tackle, which is definitely a position of need for UCF. Kalia Davis obviously not coming back, losing Big Cat on that, on that line, Mike. So another big human being is joining UCF. How excited are you? Did you say 321 pounds? I wouldn't lie to you. That's a big boy. And that's exactly what we need. And, you know, the, the running backs and the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, and they get all the glory and all that stuff. But we've said it a million times in this show. Football is one in the trenches, up front, defensive line, offensive line. You can never have too many of those guys. This guy is a guy coming over from the SEC. This is how we've been filling in our roster. It was a lot of SEC guys, a lot of guys from Auburn the last two years. So um, if this kid can play, then we'll welcome him on the team and all the big bodies you can get. You can never have too much depth. As we've seen this year uh, that just passed, we came into the season saying the defensive line, we had a rotation of about eight guys that can go in there and get the job done. And then you see, you know, as Kalia Davis gets hurt and you, you lose some of the top guys, you really need as much depth as possible. 
Yeah, I mean, this is what the the ninth transfer now that Gus has brought in, uh, and he said he would hit the portal hard. He was very, very intentional in his comments. I think after uh, after a lot of media availabilities, after the Gasparilla Bowl, that this was going to be a place kids were going to were going to want to play, and that that Auburn to UCF pipeline continues to to remain open. I mean, another another Auburn guy, Mike, off the top of my head, I don't know how many that is since Gus has came on board. Uh, we got Domeo, we got Big Cat, we got Kobe Hudson, we got this kid now. Uh, so who knows how many that is? I guess I'm probably forgetting somebody, Mike. But um, look, you, you got to love that. Gus has said he was going to go out and get some guys, and, and he's getting guys. And yeah, these you know they haven't lined up yet. Uh, this kid hasn't played a down of college football. We have no idea what he's going to be about. But it's, in my mind, it bodes well that kids are are coming free from their schools, and you know Gus is reaching out or T Will's reaching out, and they're like, yeah, let's let's do that. I mean, I don't. I don't want to say Heupel wasn't able to do that or maybe Frost, but it just feels like it's different with Gus and, and that staff pulling the strings and some of these transfers. And these guys have a lot of eligibility left. We just signed the other uh, linebacker too, right after Bethune transferred, the kid Lewis, right? He hasn't played it down in college football either. So these kids are coming here having used up their transfer and now we're going to be here for three, four, five years. I think that's great. I think that's just as good as signing a high school recruit. Right, you're getting just as much as eligibility out of them, and it may even be better because if they can't transfer out of here, then we we know we have them for the next few years. One of these stud uh, five stars actually commits to UCF one day. He may only be here for a year and then out. So who knows? So uh, I liked it. I like the way Gus is doing it. Like we said last week, he knows how to fill in the, the spots on this roster that he needs to do, and he's not just typically transfers in the past were senior guys grad transfers you see guys come in for one year yeah even like a guy like big cat one year you know they're here and they're gone these guys are going to be here for a while i love that well and you know we had that question you just actually brought up on the live show on thursday somebody wrote it and said would you rather have a five-star kid right out of high school or would you rather take a four-star kid uh transferring out of a school where you didn't play much and, and i actually said the four-star transfer because now you to your point you know, that's the last transfer opportunity where the five-star guy can actually still leave you. So I think you're spot on with, with we're getting these kids, we're getting them young, and they have a, a boatload of eligibility left. And, and now Gus can not only, you know, you know use the, the transfer portal to fill holes, but now he can use it to actually build foundation. And I think that's the difference right now. And, and not a, lot, a lot of that is the transfer portal rules, don't get me wrong, but he's, he's finding foundational guys, not just one year flash in the pan wonders who are going to come in and do something kind of like a big cat did. That's right. Yeah, this linebacker that was a five-star that's coming in, that's a guy that you can build the whole defense around. Just like Big Cat was the guy that other teams were scheming against. Guys like that are the, are the focal points of the other team. When they're game-planning against UCF, those are the types of transfers we're bringing in. And that's what gets you really excited. You're not just not just guys to fill holes, which, yeah, we did that this year too. You know, uh, We brought in a couple of linebackers to kind of just fill a hole for this season. And, you know... It, that works for a little while, but you really need the guys that are going to be here for three, four years to really build this team to where we want to be when we move to the Big 12. And that's only a couple seasons away. So these guys that are freshmen or sophomores, they're going to be upperclassmen in two years when we get over there. We lost a couple guys too, Mike, uh, probably notably uh, Damaris Good uh, running back. He uh, he put his name in the portal. So unfortunately, you're seeing sort of the, the churn uh, from the college football world. So uh, more nights coming in and uh, and more nights coming out. But uh, all this, Mike, will hopefully lead up to a uh, – 
an eventful spring practice and spring schedule. I don't know if I'm exactly clear who's going to be playing the spring. I know some of these guys, I think, enrolled in time to participate in spring, but then I think I was reading that Kamore Gamble maybe isn't participating in the spring, so not exactly sure when these guys are all getting in there, Mike. But the, the spring practice, the spring game stuff was announced. Uh, spring game is slated for Easter weekend, April 16th, uh, high noon. Not, not maybe the best day for a, uh, a spring game. Uh, but the spring practice is coming up as well, Mike. So we're going to have plenty of time to, to talk about uh, what that means and, um, you know, what we want to see at a spring practice. But uh, are you going to the spring game this year, buddy? I know you did not go last year. Is, is UCF Mike, will he make an appearance at this year's spring game? I have never oh, been to a spring never. game before. Whoa. <laughs> never, never once. And it's because I don't live five minutes from campus. That's and fair. If I lived in the Orange County area even Seminole County, you know, around school, I'd be at these things all the time. But I live three hours away, and it's hard for me to talk, not just the wife, myself, into going up <laughs> three hours there, <laughs> getting a hotel room, watching a practice, and then coming back the next day. It's just, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. All right. Does, and no, no matter how interesting the quarterback battle is, because, and we've said this on the show before, the practice, same thing with these bowl games that are coming up. The, the, the like the hula bowl just was and other uh, the senior bowl and all that stuff really it's the spring practices that matter more than anything the spring game is for the fans to go out there so maybe they can you know keep the fan base engaged and maybe even make a couple bucks if they're selling hot dogs in the stands stuff like that <laughs> you the hot dog. okay, every time with the hot dogs <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable but that's what the spring game is for it's for the fan base it's it's not really a serious game. You can't really gather much from it. Even the coaches probably don't put too much stock in it. They're putting stock in what's going into the three weeks of practice leading up to the spring game. And you may hold guys out of the spring game because if they're a little dinged up, you know, you're, you're not going to risk anything. So if you, you got a running back that took a hard hit the night the day before, he may sit out the spring game. So you can't really tell much from it, which is why I'm probably not going to drive three hours to go watch it. Now, if there's something else going on up there for the weekend. Uh, maybe I can be talking to him. You said April 16th. I can already tell you that's a bad day. It's Fenris' birthday. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And if somebody from UCF is listening, and I know somebody out there has to be, can somebody drop me a DM on the profit margin on the hot dog sale? <laughs> because Mike is all pro hot dog. I wonder what the profit margin is at a hot dog sale. Is it lucrative, you think, Mike? You think they're they're making bank on those hot dog sales? It can't be too much overhead. I mean, the hot dog, <laughs> the hot dog bugs sure are terrible count. from what I heard. <laughs> what I heard, yeah, from what we heard. <laughs> but that was Scott Carr's opinion. Scott Carr is no longer here. Maybe that's why. Oh, the hot, <laughs> hot take. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He had to get out because of the, the hot dog bun controversy, hot dog bun gate. <laughs> that was going to catch up to him. He's the one who said those things were good. Now people wanted to go fact check him, found out he was lying. <laughs> you know what? I don't even know if I had any hot dogs this season <laughs> up there because they weren't selling them at the top of the command. I did not see any, so. no. They lost hot dog money on me. Uh, I did buy some other stuff from the Four Rivers you sure did, yeah. areas. <laughs> you sure did. But, uh, no hot dogs. I could. I would have bought a few hot dogs. Okay. Uh, where were we? <laughs> How much money <laughs> they make on it? I, just, I don't know. The but, profit you know, margin. Give me a profit they, margin. They sell beer. Do they sell beer at the spring game? I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like 99 percent sure <laughs> they do. It'd be stupid not to. Yeah. So you got beer. You got the food trucks out front of the stadium beforehand. You make it a day. At, like I said, if you live around the area. It's cool. Even with kids, you take them there. You're not going to stay for the whole game, most likely, anyway. So you go there for the pregame activities. Or don't, maybe they do a signing after the game, so maybe you stick around after the game. I don't, it, that's all it's for. So I'm not going to go in there thinking, 
like we came out of there last year. Oh, this guy's going to be the starting quarterback. This guy's going to be the starting running back based off one practice. So. All right, well, spring game now, coming if, on the schedule, if, April 16th. If they broadcast it on ESPN Plus or something, I may check it out for a few minutes. Okay. Is that possible? Uh, maybe we can work oh, yeah, something out. Because they yeah. want people to go. We can work something out. I don't Maybe a live stream. Maybe a Suns UCF live stream. Trace down there, Ooh. you know, shooting on the field or something. I'm sure he can't do that, by the way. There's probably a rule against that. <laughs> yeah, and they haven't just said if they're going to allow uh, fans into practices this week, this year either, right? Probably not. Well, maybe we try some blackmail. Either you, we're going to release the exclusive story about Scott Carr's departure due to hot dog buns, or you let us <laughs> broadcast the spring game. So maybe we'll try to over a player hand on on that one. Like other scheduling talk, this came out today. It actually didn't come out through UCF. It came out through, uh, I guess, the other school. Mike, it looks like the 2023 football schedule is going to add an opponent. Uh, the Kent State Golden Flashes are now slated to come yeah. to the bounce house. September 2nd, that's a Saturday, Mike. So the 2023 non-con as it stands right now, and I say right now because there's a catch here, Kent State, then we're at Boise, and then we're supposed to be home for BYU. But And that may be a conference game in 2023. We don't really know you, so there may need to be a replacement there, Mike. So uh, Kent State, welcome to Orlando, Mike. I know uh, it's a, it's a big-time game, buddy. How, how excited are you? It is a big time game. It's a rubber match. Mm. We've played these guys four other times. Mm-hmm. Remember, we were in the same conference with Kent State at one point. They've won the last two meetings. We we won the first two. We won one in '97, and I believe the second one was uh, like in 2000 or 2001. And then we lost in 2003 and four to these guys. So this one will, is for all the marbles, as they say. Oh wow! The Kent State Golden Flashes. It's a so and the Golden Flashes and the Golden Knights. You throw out the record books. I'll tell you that right now. Those, team, those two teams get together. Now, this is something I may drive up for three hours. Our first game in the 2023 season, of the first year of the Big 12 year, this may be something worth going up there for. And then you get hot dogs in the upper cabana on there. Oh, done deal. Well, it fills a, it fills a hole, Mike. Obviously, there's still some scheduling holes. UCF has to fill in 24. Uh, Liberty in Florida on the schedule. But again, BYU, who knows if that'll be a conference game. 25, Maryland, FAU, and North Carolina. But that'll get rained out because it always does. 26, nothing. 27, Carolina's on the schedule. Uh, and then 28, just Maryland. So some holes still for Timo to fill. One of them goes down today in Kent State. Hopefully, we'll have some more announcements soon. That, uh, that that certainly would be uh, would be nice to fill the schedule in. I know maybe you wait for the Big 12 and see where it goes from there, but uh, we still got some holes in the future years that uh, Timo's going to have to get really creative on really quickly. Well, lucky for Timo. Oh, boy. <laughs> his job got 25% easier because now that we're only going to have three out-of-conference games once we join the Big 12 instead of four, right? And now that you're a quote-unquote Power 5 conference, you can schedule whoever you want. You know, these teams like Kent State, we'll give them a one-game payoff. And at least that's better than an FCS school, right? At least they're a MAC team. We could do that with teams in the Sun Belt and Conference USA and maybe even the American. We have old teams in the American. We can still play at least one-for-ones with. There's going to be some options for Timo now. I think it's going to get a little easier. This one, maybe he just couldn't find anybody else to dance with him in 2023. And he just said, okay, I'll take this one, fill out the schedule, and it will work on the next few years. Now, I would love to see Florida State or Miami get on there. That'd be nice and start playing those guys. I think Miami could turn into a nice rivalry with us, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, let's see what he's got for the next couple of years. He's got a lot of openings. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more openings coming open because BYU now, having not been in the conference, when they joined the Big 12, 
they're going to have to clear out a bunch of games from their schedule. So we got some opponents there to look at. Uh, maybe we can work on a one of these opening day kickoff classic games. So Timo's got a lot of options, Todd. That, I think that Florida game opened up a lot of people's eyes. We, we showed that if you give UCF a big game, fans will go to it. So I think that's an opportunity here in the future. Maybe a kickoff classic in Tampa or Jacksonville or something like that. Um, I think there's going to be plenty of things for Timo to do for us. Yeah, so stay tuned, obviously. Uh, hopefully some more announcements coming soon. You didn't really hear any rumblings that something was coming out soon. Uh, so maybe this one kind of came out of out of left field. So maybe, you know, that'll happen again. Uh, and, and obviously, to your point, Mike, some holes to fill. But hopefully we'll find some exciting matchups. I know Kent State isn't exactly a household name, but to your point, it, it's it's fun to kind of get back in some of these old matchups that, you know, we played in the past. And yeah, while they're not world beaters, uh, it's it's a nice one-off game. I wouldn't mind seeing this kind of, you know, now we have the upper hand right now. We were that school. We talked to our guest the, this, uh, this episode, talks about how we used to have to play Georgia and Clemson. And we get one-game shots. Well, now we're that school giving those one-game shots. And that's actually a really pretty cool turn of the tables for UCF. Yeah, and you're right. The old matchups, I mean, we weren't in the MAC for long, only a few years, but we did play Miami of Ohio a couple times and these guys. And, you know, it'd be Toledo, you know, that'd be a nice one to get back on the schedule here or there. Maybe go to an old conference USA team we haven't seen in a while. Like when we played Marshall in the Gospel Bowl, that was fun for everybody for a day, you know? So it's better than the FCS matchups. Mm-hmm. And you got almost the same chance of winning. I mean, these teams are a little bit better. And now that there's teams with a little bit of history, maybe you get more people excited to go to the game. We will see. So that's that's the football news and notes, Mike. That's uh, pretty much all we got uh, rumbling around UCF football at this point in time. But I'm sure, stay tuned. I'm sure there will be a transfer or somebody else coming coming our way soon, Mike. But let's, uh, let's switch um, playing surfaces and head over to the basketball court where you haven't been on with us. I know you were off last week in the live show, so you haven't had a chance to really – uh, sort of opine. So let, let's let's take this back a couple of weeks. So it was Saturday the fifteenth uh, that uh, the cows just wiped the floor with us. We talked about that in the show seventy five fifty one, and we said, hey, we we got to get something figured out here. Tuesday night we go to ECU. We're down twenty at one point in this game. Storm back. Some guys get hot. Mayhan Green. We make some shots. We pull out a ninety two eighty five win in overtime. So you're feeling okay. The Dawkins hot seat was still kind of there. It was a lot of moving back and forth, Mike. Saturday, we bring Tulane into Orlando, and uh, UCF comes out with a 68-66 victory. A tad misleading. They had a three at the buzzer uh, that essentially was kind of a garbage three, so UCF won by a little bit handier than that. Uh, there were some stretches in that game, too, where UCF was up big, and then they got down. They had to mount another comeback, but again, ultimately get the win, Mike. Here's the net net of it. When you look at all said and done, and I know we've talked about the up-and-down um, sort of nature of the basketball program right now, if I had just put you in a coma and woke you up today and said, hey, Mike, great news. Welcome welcome back. Hope you're okay, buddy. Hope you had a good rest. By the way, the UCF basketball team, they're 12-5. and five. You'd probably jump out of your hospital bed and be, like, pretty freaking excited about it. But, yeah, this 12-5 and five feels different for some reason. So where are you at right now with how you feel about the basketball team, where they're at, particularly with the stretcher coming up against, Mike? Um, how do you feel right now sitting 12-5 and five as we kind of get into the really the daunting part of the schedule? Yeah, 12 and 5. When we said preseason, I think that's right where we want it to be at this point. Now, we, we said this part of the schedule before the season started is going to be the toughest part the next couple of weeks coming up. There's a six game stretch, but hey, you can start it now. You know, this is it. Let's go. We're going into Wichita. We got the Cows. We got uh, Houston a couple times. I think Wichita twice, too, and Cincinnati mixed in there. So, this is it for the season. 
we got to at least split, right? We can't go one and five. We can't go oh and six. We can't even go two and four. I think we at least split. I know it'll be okay. And depending on what those wins are, if we were beating a Houston on the road or even the home game against them, I'll take a win against Houston. That's the, the thing that drives you nuts about this team because we're 12 and five. And in our eyes, we should be, you know, uh, 14 and three, something like that. Mm-hmm. There's a couple games we let get away. But then there's also a couple games that maybe we won that we didn't expect to win before the season started. And that's where we are here at 12 and five. We just can't allow any more of those ugly victories. I mean, I'm sorry, those ugly losses, the ugly wins. I'll take, I'll take those every day. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care if it's by one point. Like I said, that temple game, um, I was going to take that ugly win all night and not even complain about it, but it it turned into an ugly loss. That's what hurts. So no more of those. And I think we'll be okay. Pull off a a big win here against Houston or uh, Wichita has been down this year. Anyway, that's a game. Now looking at the schedule, you can't even say, you know, split with those guys. You got to get greedy and take both those games. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Tulane game, again, you saw some guys step up for uh, for a while. Bakas Jong had 16-10, and 10, a double-double, Mike. I think that's his first double-double in the season. Uh, Darius Johnson, who's really kind of come into his own, Mike, he, he played uh, the most minutes uh, against Tulane. Uh, he started that game, uh, and also the leading score, 17 points. Uh, not maybe the best shooting output, but 17 points overall. Darius Perry, though, only one point. Brandon Mahan had 10. Darren Green hit a couple of late threes, uh, so he had 14 overall. And um, Milk Carton, Isaiah Adams, collision course, he had five uh, five points total, did play 23 minutes, Mike. It's kind of been this Jekyll and Hyde, up and down nature of the basketball team. I think that's probably the thing that's infuriating teams the most, or infuriating our fans the most, and probably teams, is that when we see UCF at its apex and we see how good they can be, we see when they're making shots, when they're hustling, when they're passing the ball around, and then you see them go through these lulls, and, you know, B.J. Taylor keeps saying it. I think Dexter Lyons said something similar. Who are the leaders on this team? Right now, Mike, it very well might just be true freshman Darius Johnson who's kind of leading people together. We saw a bit of a – I don't know if it's an incident. I don't know what you call it, but C.J. Walker got a little fired up at the ECU game, and Darius Johnson pulled him aside and kind of got that rectified, Mike. But you'd like to see at this point what is the identity of this team going to be and you'd hope that we're turning the corner to find it because this is the, this is the time of year we have to figure out who we are as a team heading into you know obviously the end of the conference schedule then tournament time uh, i don't i don't know if we're there yet but you every now and again you feel a glimmer of hope that maybe we're getting closer you know yeah that east carolina game really was like a microcosm of the entire season we saw every part all the ucf teams all the versions of this team we saw all in one night that night i mean to go down 20 against those guys it was ugly, and we couldn't hit a shot, and then we couldn't miss. And that's the team, That's the part of this team that gets you so excited when you watch them, how we can just – no lead is safe. We, we're, if we get hot, we can come back and beat anybody. And when, when that game went to overtime, I had no doubt we were winning that game. We had just taken over to complete control of the game by that point. East Carolina was stunned. Um, I was not nervous at all in overtime of that game. And that if we see that version of UCF – I'm very confident that this team will do what we expected them to do and go to the tournament and maybe make some noise. Once we get in the tournament, we're a dangerous team. I just want to get in because I think we can really cause some problems if we do get in and we get hot for a week or two. Uh, that could be a really fun ride. So let's see what happens here now. This is the crux of the schedule, and we're going to find out a lot about this team. Either we're all going to be very excited in a couple of weeks heading into March, or we're all going to look at this season and say what went wrong. 
And we're starting to also get a look at Johnny's rotation. I know that we we had said earlier that we thought this team was going to really be a team of depth. Uh, Tony Johnson Jr. and Sean Mobley, uh, ostensibly not with the team right now. No one really knows exact stories behind that. Uh, Ty Freeman, who was getting a lot of minutes. Mike, he only played six minutes against Tulane. Dre Fuller seems to be kind of a hit or miss, so he, he played 10. So it, you're starting to see the shrinking of the rotation. Um, but the biggest concern, again, Tulane, 38 points in the paint. Uh, and we saw that as an issue uh, against ECU. We saw that as an issue, uh, at least rebounding-wise, against the Cows. Uh, so good to see Bakke have 10 boards, but we're going to have to get a little bit bigger on the inside if we're going to continue to battle, particularly as we have Wichita. And then, Mike, the, the biggest game uh, Saturday, number seven Houston coming to Orlando. Uh, that'll be a, a, a big one. It is a uh, it is an 8 p.m. game. It is on ESPN2. So you've got some good Saturday night plans, Mike. You, to your point, let's not overlook Wichita. But uh, but then you have Houston, Mike, and th- this could really be an interesting kind of make or break for the season if we're able to to hang with Houston. And remember, last year we were with them for a while in in the game in Orlando, and ultimately didn't uh, didn't close it out in the end, Mike. So we have a really big opportunity uh, from a from a net perspective. I know the Cows' loss is going to be the albatross for the rest of the season, but we have a really good opportunity to negate some of that with a nice winning uh, at home against Houston. That's going to be a huge game. That's a big recruiting weekend for football. That's going to be, a, it's I believe it's an eight o'clock tip it is. on a Saturday night. Yep. That's okay. You guys have no excuses if you live in the area for that one. Um, that place needs to be rocking. And they, you know what they should do? They should allow tailgating on Memory Mall. Make a party out of it. Start it early. Treat it like a big time football game. Get that place as loud as possible, and. You know, the football recruits are going to be there. They're going to see that. It's going to be great for everybody, and the team will feed off that. And like I said, we come out with a night where we can't miss a shot like we did against Michigan. We could beat Houston at home with that kind of atmosphere. Why not? Uh, you're in luck, Mike. Uh, so UCF actually hosting a block party uh, January 29th, 5 to 7.30 p.m., uh, so they're hosting a party. It is on East Plaza Drive before the team takes on Houston. So free admission, free parking, a uh, a block party, a live concert by somebody called GW Souther, uh, some Chick-fil-A giveaways, drinks for purchase, inflatables, and other kid activities. So I don't know if you read that or you're right. just really smart, but no. block party. I did not read that. That's good to hear. I'm glad they're doing that. Now they should also allow tailgating for people that want to get there even earlier. So Football season really is still here. I mean, right? The NFL playoffs are still going on. So people are still in that football mode. You know, we just had the Gasparilla Bowl. Tell everybody we can have a big tailgate party this Saturday on campus on Memory Mall. And now that UCF is there, they're backing it. they got activities going on. I think this could really take off. I might have to go up there and we might oh, have to get one of those tents again. Do they have hot dogs? Do, a... do they have hot dogs? Oh. I, I, there's nothing here mentioned about that, though. I can tell you there'll be a potato salad. If it happens. Oh, wow. Don't tease. Don't tease. Uh, the, the good fans like that. <laughs> what is that? That's, 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 yes. It's, yes. It might be too short notice. There's no way you're – look, there's no way you're going back to Orlando, buddy. <laughs> I love you to death and everything, but I know full well there's no way you're driving your ass all the way back up to Orlando. <laughs> Probably not. Probably? Probably not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll let you know by Thursday night. 
All right, Thursday night, Michael Tellis. He's not going um, to uh, to Orlando. But again, Wichita on Wednesday uh, at Wichita. Uh, there was some talk about that. I don't know if they had some COVID issues, Mike, but it sounds like right now everyone thinks everything's pointing to that game being a go at this point. Uh, so that that's potential. Uh, the Tulsa game that was postponed back in January, that is now back on the schedule. So that is there on Valentine's Day that Monday. So we had talked about that that gauntlet stretch. Uh, Tulsa now slides in there as part of that stretch too. So your next three are Wichita, Wednesday night uh, at Wichita, home Saturday against Houston, and then we need revenge the following Thursday, the third, the cows coming to Orlando. So we need some revenge for those games, Mike. But 12-5, and five, I know you made some nice friends on the internet with uh, Christian Simmons and Jeff Sharon and some of those folks, Mike, on the, sort of where you are with Johnny Dawkins. Um, well, where are you with Johnny Dawkins? Uh, I know you're not you're – not I know there, you, you and JP get lumped into the hot seat truthers. I know that you are uh, – you're not shy about warming a chair or two up, but I know you also aren't somebody who wants to just fire everybody after one game. So where are you at 12 and five Johnny Dawkins in relation to his hot seat? That is correct. I have said all along the entire season, I have not wavered that if Johnny gets us to the tournament, I have no issues with him. Get us to the dance, win a game. Uh, Right now I'm just saying, get us there. I'm I'm even saying win a game. I'm just saying, get us to the dance again. That's a successful season for me. So I've said, you know, we're on schedule to do it. He's fine with me right now. I'm not, I'm, I'm not putting a hot seat on there for him. Um, now, if he, we, we have a couple other losses like we did against the Cows, and it's already obvious that we're not getting in, and the best we can hope for is maybe an NIT, then you know the hot seat gets a little warmer. That's where I am. I'm, I'm just about results with Johnny. Mm. I, lo- I love him as a person. I love him. I met him that time. I did the interview. He's a fantastic guy. I think uh, he's done a lot of great things for the program. I, he took us to the dance, and we won a game for the first time in school history. He's done a lot. Now we're moving into the Big 12 soon, and if he can't prove that he can build this thing to be more consistent, then I, I think you look, you start warming up the seat. You know, one time, one time to the dance in six years is not going to get it done for me. That's not going to get me too excited. I'll, I'll just say this: I, I don't, I don't know if he needs to be let go or not. I, I don't, you know, I think to your point, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. But the reality is this: if we don't make the tournament again this season. We know that we are on the doorstep of joining the Big 12, which is arguably kind of like the SEC of basketball in terms of football and, and basketball um, comparables there. It, it certainly would be um, prudent for Timo and the, uh, the administration to sit down and figure out what do we need to do with men's basketball. I'm not saying that means we have to fire Johnny Dawkins, but clearly if we're not able to, uh, to, to be a team that can get into the, into the tournament or at least a bubble team, I think we're the first four out last time I saw, so I guess we're close to that bubble. If we're not in that same you know, trajectory, something's going to have to change. If that means more, more, more money is poured into it, more resources, a different recruiting philosophy, assistant coaches, strength and conditioning. I don't know what it would be, Mike, but if we're not able to get in there, something has to happen. We have to have one of those sit down and everyone sort of put their cards on the table because to your point, six years, uh, you know, tournament team uh, only, you know, what, once, twice, uh, one time in that, in, that, in that time span, heading into the Big 12, um, it's not a trajectory that's pointing, you know, straight up. It's maybe pointing, you know, I don't know, parallel, but definitely not up. And I think that's the, that, that's where night fans want to be is at least feeling work or going in the right direction. feels like two steps forward, one step back all the time. So if we don't make it, I'm not, I'm not in the fire Johnny camp, but I'm in the sit down and let's open the books up and, and let's make a bar rescue situation here call John Taffer and open the books and figure out what's going on. 
Yeah. People are getting confused. They think, you know, when you start saying hot seat, they think you're treating it like football. You're overreacting. We're not asking the same out of the basketball program as we're asking the football. Okay. I'm sorry. We're, in football, if we don't get to the conference championship game, in my eyes, in this conference, I think it's a bad year. The last couple of years have been bad years. This year was salvaged at the end of the year with the win against the Gators. That was a nice one. Um, and, and there was a lot of other, a lot of injuries this season, which Johnny's gotten a pass on for a couple of years with injuries too. I understand he's had issues with the roster early on, but uh, let's face it. The team he took to the dance wasn't his roster either. It wasn't the kids he recruited. They were already on this team. So he still has some things to prove here. Now he can start doing it again. We get back to the dance. Um, I'm asking for a dance every three years, every two to three years. I'm not saying this team has to be in it every single year. I'm not as hard on the basketball team as I am on the football team, but I do want some fun. I want to get to these things. That's the only thing people watch in college basketball is the the tournament, right? Nationally, uh, people like us, the the regular season is important because it depends. You you can't get into the dance without a good regular season, which is not the case in some of these, uh, some of these other leagues. So um, just get me there. That's all Johnny has to do in my eyes is get me there. And you won't hear a peep about a hot seat out of me. All I can picture right now is you and Johnny Dawkins on a road trip, just just nothing but hot dogs. <laughs> Johnny would put up with me too. That's how nice of a guy he is. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't even say it. He would you know smile what? at me. He'd probably call me a bunch of names under in his own head, but he won't say anything because he's a nice guy. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure our listeners are saying something about you now, Mike. But uh, we'll we'll get to plenty of that later. But let's take a little break here. Uh, and then um, our our guest that's coming up here tonight, uh, really fun interview, good conversation, uh, a name that, uh, man, he's, he's pretty pretty synonymous with one of the biggest, if not the biggest moment in UCF history. Uh, arguably, I guess you can go down that route. And he was a, a big part of it. Let's get to that in just a second, Mike. But the people demand to learn about great quality service products that are out there, Mike. Everyone's asking all the time, where can I find the best? Where can I find the greatest And luckily, the Sons of UCF, we've done your homework for you. If you happen to be in the market, maybe you got yourself a little uh, fiancé a couple of days ago, right? Maybe you got yourself an engagement party coming up. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you got the the announcement of of a birth of a child, a really precious moment. You need someone who can package all that together, send you out some beautiful, beautiful pieces of information. That may be an announcement. That may be an invitation. Whatever you need, Mike. Luckily, the earth has been scoured. And the answers are here. It's paper and lace, Mike. Tell more about it. That's right. Mackenzie Milton. I just learned got engaged a couple weeks ago, and he's going to be looking for invitations. Are you announcing the exclusive Mackenzie Milton paper and lace deal right now? Um, It's possible. Oh, oh, oh. I have never spoken to Mackenzie in my life. Okay. And (laughs) I've not brought it up to my sister. All right. But I couldn't make it happen. If you need me to make it happen, if both parties are willing Maybe I can strike a deal here. But you got to give my sister a call. And we talk about weddings all the time, but Adam just brought up something else. It's not just weddings, it's anything. You know, uh, a baby shower, uh, a christening, an anniversary party. You want to have Some a of you people got to be graduating soon, right? Don't we need graduation announcements? That's right. Graduation. How about a huge Super Bowl party coming up in a couple weeks? That's awesome. You, know, you want to do a, <laughs> yeah. a nice, fancy Super Bowl party? Dude, have you ever been invited to a Super Bowl party in the mail with like with a fancy invitation? No. Well, you can do that right now for your friends. <laughs> Nobody's done it before. It makes your party, no matter what party it is, she'll make it happen for you. 
with the the best invitations you can find on the internet in the world. I, I guarantee you got my guarantee on that. You can't oh. find better invitations than the ones she makes. Impossible. Wow. So give her a call, 954-597-6426. You can go to the website, paperandlaceboutique.com. You can see everything she's able to create for you. Uh, you know what? I think I may throw a Super Bowl party just for the invitations. How's that? So I probably <laughs> get to get a better discount than everybody else listening to this show. <laughs> but she will give you a discount. Mention Sons of UCF, and she gives you 10% off your first order. 954-597-6426. Ask for Michelle. Paper and Lace, uh, the best invitations uh, you can get. Uh, and look in the mail. Maybe Mike's going to send you one. I assume hot dogs are on the menu? Yeah. If we're having a Super Bowl party, we got to have some hot dogs. All right. Mike's going to go. Uh, some beer brats. Oh, beer brats are fantastic. Mike's going to go grab some ballparks. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajer. And in my spare time, when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge on. All right, our guest this week is probably best known for uh, for one play, and we'll get to all that when he when he joins us here in a second. But he was a part of a lot of great teams at UCF. He had a lot of big moments, but he, he will forever be known for one thing, and uh, and and all night fans love him for it. And we're happy to have uh, former UCF kicker and punter Javier Berlegi in the show with us this week. Javier, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Suns of UCF. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Always a pleasure to uh, to catch up. I know we had a chance to to talk to you uh, about a year ago. We did a special on the uh, 20th anniversary uh, of the game, so we're always good to, uh, to to catch back up with you. But we didn't get a chance to really dive in with you back then on a lot of UCF stuff. So really uh, interested to to hear a lot of your stories and kind of want to start here. Um, how did you end up at UCF? I mean, obviously you're a kicker, punter, a quote unquote specialist, right? How did you end up at UCF, right. and what was that whole recruiting process like for you? Well. It was interesting because I never even thought about kicking in high school. Um, I was a soccer player since I was a little kid. I played football in junior high, and I was a big kid, so I played defensive tackle and defensive end. And when I got to high school, because I was playing two different uh, club soccer teams, plus uh, well, I was playing one club soccer team plus our high school team. So I was going to stick with soccer when I hit high school. And uh, we had a meeting my freshman year going into like sophomore year for the varsity team. I was one of a few players that made varsity and we were meeting the coaches and everything. And next door, the football team was warming up, I guess for practice. And the head coach comes over from the football team and says, Hey, um, we need a kicker. Anybody that wants to kick, come on over here and give it a shot. And I was like, man, I'm not doing that. I'm going to embarrass myself in front of the whole football team. And I just, you know, started going to high school and a couple of my buddies wanted to do it. So I sat there and watched them kick. And the high school coach saw me sitting there and he says, Hey, why don't you give it a shot? And I was like, nah, man, but good. And he's like, we can't do any worse than them. And uh, I had a pretty <laughs> strong leg, even in, in uh, as a kid. So I kicked the ball. I kicked it further than everybody consistently. And he goes, well, congratulations. You're our starting kicker for the team. So I go home that night and I tell my parents, you know, like, how was your first soccer meeting? And I was like, great. I'm on the football team. And I said, <laughs> how was that? So that started the process of just me doing it for fun. I didn't think I could get college out of it. I was really good. And then probably by my going to junior year, I started getting letters from universities and I started getting recruited pretty heavily because I was um, one of the best in the county, that side of the state. And uh, UCF came knocking towards my senior year. They didn't have a, uh, they didn't need a kicker. They had Fred Wazuski at the time, uh, Chad Downey, 
was the punter, I guess, and kicker. And they had a transfer, I think, from NC State to be the punter. And they just knew me as a field goal kicker because that's all I did in high school. But I could also punt, and I did that pretty consistently um, at practice. I just, with our punter, um, Dave Sanger, we'd go back and forth. And I, so I played in the uh, county all-star game. Coach Fountain, um, he actually came to watch the game. And during the game, I was just uh, the field goal kicker for obviously our, our side of the county. The punter for our team didn't do a good job. It was raining, and he had a couple of bad shanks. Well, the coach for our county team, for the all-county team, was my head coach from high school. And he knew I could punt. So he said, hey, you're going to go in next because this guy's not doing a good job. I said, okay. I went in there next. I never punted in a game. I kicked field goals and kickoffs all through high school. And I was at my goal line getting ready to do the punt. We had back all the way to our goal line. And I caught it, and I just kicked it as hard as I could, and it was a missile. It took off like a rocket. No hang time at all. It was just like a line drive bullet. Out kicked the coverage. It bounced because it was a line drive, and it rolled almost to the other end zone. So it was almost a full field punt in front of everybody. And I was shocked myself. Everyone kind of went crazy. And Coach Fountain from UCF happened at that game, and he didn't know I could punt. So after the game, he approached the coach and was like, hey, I didn't know how we could punt. You know, we're looking for a punter now because the transfer from NC State didn't work out. And uh, he goes, yeah, Pavier is a great punter, blah, 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 talk me up. So then the coach wanted a tape of me punting. So me and my dad went to our football field at uh, Maradon High, and we had a bag of balls, and I basically marked the uh, a cone in the end zone, a cone at the yard line, and I just consistently kicked punts. And I had good hang time. I worked on getting the ball up, but – and my dad never turned the video off. He just consistently kept filming me um, punting and coming back, even the ones I didn't hit so good. And we sent the tape to UCF. And because of that tape, they said, plus I knew I could kick off and do field goals. They gave me a full scholarship. Describe UCF back in those days. Obviously, if you're in campus now, you memory mall, you got the on-campus stadium, you got all that good jazz. Uh, that's not the yeah. UCF you walked into in 1998. Describe the facilities right. and the setup when you were there. When we went there, it was a little bit less fancy than it is now, obviously. Um, Wayne Dench was shared. Uh, it was a very small workout area. We had like four rooms plus the coach's office, and we shared obviously the facilities with um, every other sport that was there. And our two practice fields were right there, and, you know, there was one like a downhill slope. And it was just more like it, it was similar to like a high school atmosphere with the kind of equipment being used and, and fields and stuff. But it was a co collegiate level program. Um, but everything was being built at the time. So when they recruited me and actually signed me and brought us in, they showed us the plans for everything that they have now, pretty much. And they even said it's going to take uh, um, years before it gets to that level, but they are, they're already planning to take it to that, that um, level to have the facilities and everything. But yeah, back then it wasn't as, as nice as it was, but I, we kind of liked it in a sense because we were kind of that kind of a crew, the football players, we were, you know, all fighters and we were a tight unit. I think that bonded us more, if that makes sense. Um, just kind of like being always together and fighting for everything that we had. And even in our training facilities, working out and doing all that stuff at Wayne Dench. I, I, I loved it. So even though they got super nice equipment now and nice facilities, it was a great time. You mentioned they put you on scholarship right away coming out of high school. I don't think that was that common back then, especially at UCF. That was I was actually the first one ever to be signed uh, kicker out of high school. 
um, I didn't know that for UCF until I got the full ride and I went there and then it did a, um, media came to the first day when we were, uh, getting our equipment, doing orientation. And they came to an interview with me and said, you know, how do you feel being the first kicker ever signed out of high school? They were walk-ons before that. Um, you basically walk on, obviously prove yourself in the first year, second year, and after that, they assign you. So I was the first one they signed directly out of high school as a kicker. And it wasn't very common back then either. I got recruited University of Florida when Spurrier was there, um, Miami, a couple of big name teams, but they didn't sign anybody out of high school. Spurrier was like against it back in those days. He he believed every kicker should walk on. Oh, my wife just went out. <laughs> every kicker should walk on and then earn their spot and then eventually get a scholarship. Um, but they have at the time they could they could do that and you know get 20, 30 kickers out there. Uh, coach Cruz, that was his first or second year actually head coaching. And he, he understood. He said he wanted a, a really good kicker out of the gate out of high school and he wanted to recruit one. So he was the uh, brainchild behind that. And then the reason why I got a, a full ride right away. Yeah. Cause I think even after Cruz, I don't think O'Leary ever signed a kicker to a scholarship right away either for years after. No, he so. did not. Yep. <laughs> you were the only yep. one for a while. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah. A lot of coaches have that mentality. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say a lot of coaches at the time had that mentality. They thought that, um, you know, we get, we can just get a walk-on, the workout, And they did have good walk-ons. We had a lot of good walk-ons. Even after I got signed every year, we had great guys coming out. And they were good kickers. But I think as it progressed, and that now we're looking at 2022, and obviously you're seeing a lot of people understand more, I think, how important kickers are um, and how, you know, how much they mean in the game, especially – to be consistent, I think. So to get what you pay for type thing. Yeah. What's scarier as a kicker or as a punter punter, you got the whole defense charging at you. You got to catch the ball, kick it or a kicker trying to hit a field goal, you know, game winner or a quick one at the half, at the end of the half. What's a little scarier for you? For doing both. Like I did, uh, to me, punting was easier. Not that the skill was easier. Just the pressure wasn't as great. Um, because obviously I was dependent on for field goals and extra points to score. And if I didn't, obviously our team is down points now. So the pressure I think was a little more intense, whereas punting, even if you don't get a decent punt off, you know, it's still not something that's completely detrimental as not putting points on the board for your team, in my opinion. So I thought doing the both in the game, punting was a little bit more relaxed for me than uh, field goal kicking. I don't remember. Did they have you doing the rugby style back then? The, the uh, no rugby style. Nope, no rugby style. No. Um, it was just uh, an adjustment every time I'd the leg swing and how we would kick field goals versus doing a punt. Everything was a little different. They didn't want me to uh, do all three after I got signed. They signed me as a punter, and uh, I was registered at the first few games, and then our punter wasn't doing so hot. So Coach Cruz, I think we played Toledo at Toledo. And he said, um, you're going in next punt. We're, I'm done with this. I'm like, all right. So right then I was off a red shirt my freshman year, a few games in. And I hit a really good punt. And that kind of stuck. And then Fred, or Wazuski, our kicker, he got hurt um, halfway through the season. He was doing field goals and extra points, but he couldn't do kickoffs. So our kickoff person wasn't doing so hot either. So they came and said, hey, we know you can do kickoffs. Now we want you to do kickoffs. I'm like, no problem. So I did kickoffs and punts, finish out the season. And then going to the next year, they actually signed a, a kicker right out of high school again, but this time it's just do field goals and kickoff. They just wanted me to punt. They thought I'd be better 
if I just focused and concentrated on one thing only. And I went to Coach Cruz and I said, um, if I really like to do all three, if I beat this kicker out, can I do all three? And he said, absolutely. We're going to play the per- best person, obviously, during the camp and training. Um, he says, if you beat him out, you, you get to start. I said, you got it. So the kicker came in, and uh, I think it was Gabe Levitt, and uh, we competed, and I ended up inching out ahead of him. So I ended up starting field goal kickoffs and punts, and I kind of held that position all the way up until the very end. That 98 team that you were on, Javier, was one of the best in UCF. Obviously, finishes 9-2. and two. A couple of brutal losses that season. Does that Auburn loss still haunt you? Absolutely. A lot of those close games did. Georgia, Auburn. Um, I mean, we made four, about four at the end. But I think at the time, because it weighed so heavy on us, that with that group of guys, and like I talked about earlier, that the bond we had and the camaraderie we had, we wanted it so bad. It's tough to explain and put into words, but every time we played those big 1A opponents, we truly believed we were going to win. There was no doubt. We didn't go in there thinking, let's just try to have a good showing and not get killed. We were, we went that game. Everyone had the mindset in the locker room. We were going to win. And when we didn't, we had those close um, losses like Auburn and Georgia. There's guys in the, in the locker room just, you know, break down crying and just upset, you know, because – they gave it everything they had and they, they wanted it. So those still, yeah, those, those definitely, we remember every single one of them, other guys that I played with and we talk about it occasionally that, man, we were this close, but you know, we made for it at the end, but we wanted to get it for the seniors that were there for the juniors that were there um, early on. So that way they could leave knowing that they got that big one. They went under their belt before they were done playing football. Well, how mad were you? Were you guys in '98? Again, nine and two season today. If anyone goes nine and two, they're they're in like a New Year's Six bowl, right? <laughs> nine and two. You guys didn't yeah. even get to a bowl game. How pissed off were you guys right. at the fact that no bowl love for you that season? No bowl love the whole time I was there, but uh, <laughs> it was a lot less bowls too back then. Obviously, um, the opportunities were a lot less. I think we were that season. We were very close to getting to the Hula Bowl. I think Hawaii Bowl. Yeah, and. Uh, I think we got inched, beat out by somebody else, but we were independent, obviously, back then. But we're still making a name for ourselves. But yeah, it was definitely frustrating because that was the the top goal for us at the end of the season was to play that last game and get a bowl game under our belt. Which, unfortunately, with my group and me, I ne- we never got a chance to. Well, you mentioned that Georgia game, so that's a, an interesting point in your career. Uh, obviously, uh, pr- yeah. for people who don't know, it's the the burglary behind the hedges is what they call it. There was a, a phantom PI call late in the game on a, on a play, but you had an interesting point in the game. You had you had missed a kick earlier, and so it's it's a fourth right. on opportunity. We would have uh, essentially lined you up for a thirty-seven yard field goal, and Kruzik decided to go for it instead. Uh, obviously, things don't go well. We end up getting backed up, and and we lose that game. Looking back on it now. How disappointed were you in not getting a chance to, to kick? Did you say something to Cruz on the sideline? Did you give him a, a bit of a, a what for uh, after he would let you in there? No, actually, when leading up to that, I was one of those people that if I miss a kick or field goal, extra point, whatever, I want to get right back out there and hit the very next one. I rarely throughout my career missed two in a row, like field goals or even like a fluke extra point or something. I rarely missed more than one consecutively. And that's why I was consistent. I always played because I never, I had a real good mentality for it, but I wanted to get right back out there, not just to redeem myself, but also let my teammates know that I got you. This ain't going to happen again. Um, matter of fact, the one of my longest field goals, I think it was like 48, 49 yards against Georgia tech. 
I had it was the first field goal of the game. I missed one, and I think it was the first game of the season or second game. And I went to the sideline and I said, "I'm not missing an effing bleep field goal the rest of this damn season." I said, "I'm making the rest of these." And I went in the very next one and I blasted the uprights, 49. And that's the mentality I had going into obviously those big games, Georgia, and it was an extra point. And uh, it, for some reason, I think I thumped it. I don't remember if it hit the bar or if I missed it. And I was devastated. I'm like, man, I'm not missing again. That last drive going on the field, Kruzek didn't have any doubt. Uh, we lined up like we were going to do it. So I ran up to the sideline. We were ready to go in. And he decided to go with a different play uh, to think either get a closer field goal or to see if he can get seven. I can't remember what the, the mindset was, but there wasn't doubt um, for me or the guys that to get this shot. And I even said, I'm ready to go in, coach. I'll do it. Um, but unfortunately, it just didn't play out that way. Even after the game, a lot of my uh, fellow players and stuff came with me and were like, man, we were really hoping you could get that shot for redemption, number one, to get the win for us. And I said, me too. Because I, up to that point, I still hadn't kicked a game-winning field goal until Alabama in my high school career or college. I never got put in that position to either you make it, we win, you miss, you go home. I've had games where – the points I scored were the outcome of winning or like an extra point or a field goal early on could have gotten us the win or a tie, but never the last seconds to kick one through to bring it home for the guys. The sound of the ball hitting off the upright has to be the worst noise in the world to you, right? This is devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Watching <laughs> is the worst action. Because I'm watching it. I know I didn't hit it right. So it's, kickers know, man, when you hit that ball good, the follow through, you need to look up and you see a drift, and you're just like, Man, I didn't, get, I didn't get a solid hit on it. So, watching is the worst because you know what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, we've talked to Kruzek and we talked to Vic Penn about that Georgia game. I forget which one of them told us that maybe you were battling an injury at that part in the season. Was there any part of you that wasn't 100 percent going into that game, or were you sick or something? I forget what the story was. I, I was, I don't like to make excuses for it because I was playing. So I never use that as a reason because I was able to hit that extra point regardless of what I was going through. Um, I had a really bad flu the night before. Um, I got about two hours of sleep and I had broken my pinky, um, an old injury, and I re- I broke it again in uh, warm-ups, catching punts, got a little out of it, and it hit my pinky and I, and I broke it. So I didn't get to punt that whole game. It was Ryan Flynn um, at the time who was – my backup, but that was the very first game starting was against Georgia. So I didn't get to punt that game either. But with kicking in that in that situation, in my opinion, that had nothing to do. That's just them being nice. I'm telling you straight up that that had nothing to do with the reason why I, kicked, I missed that kick. So a lot of those guys played injured. A lot of those guys played sick. You know, we don't just get to call in and say, hey, I can't today. You play. So and they're able to perform just like I should have that game so i don't use that as an excuse i don't bring it up but they do all the time i was going through that but that had nothing to do with the reason why i missed it so it's not the reason that wasn't a factor of why kruzek decided to go for it because of your pinky obviously <laughs> just uh him just being what no. he is a, a gambler a risk taker my pinky see my pinky looks nice and beautiful <laughs> that one and that's what it's supposed to look like so i don't know if that gives an idea. So i always have a little deformity in it but I've broken this one a couple of times, which is weird, but yeah, not, it had nothing to do with it. And that didn't affect my kicks at all during the game. I so I just wasn't able to punt. Gotcha. 
this is the first time we've used this video where somebody now people have to come and watch the video to see what you're talking about because <laughs> some people will just listen to this now they have to come on here and watch the video to see your pinky because that thing is yeah, a little freaky right. can you see that thing again it makes like a, it's like a yeah, question mark shape it doesn't hurt at all still right there's no lingering effects it's just shaped weird no no lingering effects just shape weird i can make a fist and it works fine just looks weird <laughs> <laughs> Javi, that year you went uh you went 10 of 20 on field goals if i have the stats right if you were a kicker yep. today would a coach stick with you do you think that kickers today get that kind of leash or do you think you'd have been done after that season it's a good question i don't know to be honest with you that was a rough year obviously but it was it's hard to explain coach cruz like i said but the coach knows how the mindset of the player is um, so he knew he was he knew everything that was going on on that field and in practice and how the players were playing. He knew my mindset of my confidence was there. I never went out and didn't not have confidence when I went and kicked. And I believed that I was going to perform well regardless of the outcome. And he had faith and confidence in me. So I think the combination of those two things is why he stuck with me. Nowadays, I don't know. I mean, most of these big universities obviously have a couple of good kickers in the wind waiting for their opportunity. So in that situation, maybe 2022, maybe someone else would have gotten a shot over me. I'm not sure. Um, but the key is obviously remaining consistent. And uh, yeah, that was probably the worst, I think statistic year, year I had for field goals, but yeah. then I, I made it up in the summer trained and got my accuracy a lot better. And that was when I, they were really primed for me to not, do all three and they thought that was something that was affecting me because i'd go right to that to punting back to it so I mean, you kick about 80 or 90 balls of practice and i was kind of doubling that because i was doing punts and kicks and they for they thought for a while that, that was a, the the reasoning of why it wasn't working out for me as, as well kicking but i didn't believe so i still think i could do all three and that that wasn't an excuse for me yeah, take us into training for a second in that off season. Uh, we know, like you think about, like a you know running back or a receiver, right? You run routes, you maybe you lift weights, you work on your speed. As a kicker, what do you do to improve? How do you improve your accuracy? Are there drills you're doing? Are you lifting weights? What were you doing in that off season to to make you better for that next season? Oh, uh, Coach Matt Rock was my kicking coach, and he did a lot of great drills um, for consistency wise. One of them was basically a kicker will. You'll go almost to the back of the goal line and you'll come out just a little bit and you'll kick fibbles that way. And it's hard to explain, but it makes the uprights almost the size of, you know, five feet wide. So you're coming off the back of the goal line just a little bit out a little bit and you're kicking. It really concentrates on you need to be dead center. Obviously, you're going to miss versus having a lot of uh, room to uh, kick on the regular size field goal. So we did that quite a bit. Um just really concentrate on your technique. Every you hear a lot of people say that you know a kick is like a golf swing, and that's pretty accurate because it's all technique. And kicking is ninety-eight percent mental, maybe two percent physical. Every kicker will tell you that. So a lot of it has to do with concentrating your technique, remaining focused, and not trying to let anything get into your head that's going to mess you up. Do you guys practice at all? Faking like uh, the penalty, especially as a punter, people running into the punter. You keep your leg up. You practice getting hit and embellishing. And do you ever remember getting any flags called because of your acting skills? 
No, we don't practice that. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one to practice. But I have been hit quite a few times back then. I think I got stuffed at University of Florida in the back of their end zone. That one hurt a little bit. Uh, Clemson got me a couple – not Clemson, um, Virginia Tech, who had crazy uh, special teams. They got me a couple times. It's usually the bigger 1A schools that got through occasionally. But, no, nah, I didn't get many blocks, I don't think, throughout my career other than a couple of from a big 1A team. But – but no, there's no practicing in that. <laughs> yeah, special teams. We just saw how big of a role that is in the game. And the playoffs the other night, San Francisco and Green Bay. I mean, people like to talk about special teams as the third wheel, and they don't really mention it as much. But it's a huge part of the game. It can change everything. It can change the whole season. Absolutely. And I always root for the kicker, regardless of what team they're playing for, who team I'm rooting for, because I know the weight that's on his shoulders but a lot of people don't realize that until the, obviously the game comes down to it. But if you look at the totality of it, of how many points a lot of those kickers scored during that game, they were the leading scorers. And that surprised a couple of people that I was talking to like, Oh yeah, I guess that is right. He hit four field goals. Right. And like, yeah, he was, he scored the most points out of that game. Uh, if it wasn't for his line, his holder and his snapper and him, you know, just a little breakdown of the chain with those, that, that core group, they don't hit that three points and then the game outcome changes. But, yeah, special teams has a huge effect on games both ways for errors and obviously doing performing well. It dictates the games, and I think it did almost every single game this past week, and it did that for them. Now, are you telling me it's your team? What's your team? The Dolphins, the Jaguars? Who do you root for? Bu- Bucks are my team. The Bucks. Tampa Bay so Bucks. a, a, a Tampa kick Bucks. coming down against the Bucks. You're rooting for the kicker? I can't believe that. I still do, believe it or not. I don't want the guy to miss because that's going to happen. I still want my team to win. Um, but, again, I, I, I got I to gotta wish the well, wish well for him because, again, I, I know that situation. And uh, I just always I feel it. So, it's if regardless of the situation, if it comes down to a kick, I want the guy to make it. All right. In the 2000 season, you guys played in a little game in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that turned out to be pretty significant for you. But we'll get to that in a second. But yeah. take me on the field before the game in warmups. Were you feeling good that day? Did you? I mean, I know obviously before a game you go out and you try to figure out which side you're kicking better at, maybe what your distance is that day. Yeah. Take us on the field before the game. Was was that one of those games where you just felt like you were you were on? You were kind of in a zone, or how was your warm up uh, that that particular Saturday? It kind of started at the hotel, to be honest with you. I mean, our group was such a tight group with that team. We were laughing, having a good time, being serious. But just the night before, like preparing, like the just the excitement. And we're going to go out there and give it everything we got. And we're going to have a good time doing it. And that kind of carried over to the field. And we drove over and the warm-ups. Everyone just kind of had a good vibe about that game. I mean, we always thought we were going to win, like I said earlier. But that game, I think it was just... We just felt something, and the warm-ups were just meant a little bit more, and everything, the pregame and everything. It just, it just, it's hard again, hard to explain, but everyone was focused, and it, it just, everyone performed amazing, and that was the result. When we had you on back a, a, about a year or so ago to talk about that game, you told us a story about a kicking tee that that Coach Kruzak yeah. had no clue about until you broke it to him in that day. Yeah. Can you retell that story real quickly, and 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 the story with the the kicking tee in that Alabama game? Yeah, since the statute of limitations erased, I think, because of the theft that I committed in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> um, but, yes, there was our – we f- forgot to pack our uh, kickoff tee. Well, we only had one. And it was a black uh, kickoff tee designed for soccer-style kickers. 
And I was like, man, that's not good. We're playing, obviously, homecoming at Alabama. I need a kickoff tee. So I went over to the kickers in the other field, and they had, like, you know, eight kickoff tees. They had, like, seven kickers, and they just had all the state-of-the-art stuff. And I remember going to their equipment manager, and I think their kicking coach, and, and me and uh, Coach Rock came over there, and I said, hey, do you mind if we borrow one of your soccer-style kickoff tees? I see you got a bunch. Unfortunately, we forgot to pack one. And they said, well, we'll see what we can do. They came back with the toe tee which is the orange tee with the big spike blocks on it, stick it straight up. And you cannot kick a football soccer style uh, in that tee. And they probably had a good laugh giving that to us and thought that was going to screw us during the game. And so I took it back. I said, man, this is messed up. So I put the orange tee on the side. They left the kick uh, kickoff tees out in the field because their equipment managers picked them up for them. So I went out, ran to the field like I was jogging, still trying to warm up and get my legs loose. And I took a knee next to one of the black uh, kickoff tees for soccer style. And I act like I was stretching and I put the kickoff tee in my helmet and I ran back onto the our side of the field and I used that the rest of the game and I took it <laughs> home with me too. So do you still yeah. have that tee? Unfortunately I don't uh, <sighs> during my youth and moving. Uh, I don't know where it is. I'm, I lost it somewhere, unfortunately, but I wish I took better care of it and kept it because <laughs> that's a funny story. <laughs> That'd be a big part of UCF memorabilia. I know it's not involved in the actual field goal, but still, yeah. From that day, if they wanted it, I'd get. It. Yeah, if they wanted something like that, I'd give it to them. If they, you know, it's like <laughs> a funny story type thing, but I don't have it unfortunately. Otherwise, I would definitely give it to the UCF. But it was definitely it was something I think was a big deal, but everyone thought it was hilarious when I told them. But obviously, we hid that from our coaches. <laughs> well, it's, you are a police officer now, right? So are you just trying to get rid of the evidence? or? <laughs> yeah, that's why I said. I think a statute limitation for petty theft is expired. So I am safe, according to the law. Unless they, unless they find some loophole in Alabama and I got a, a petty theft warrant. They're going to write for me. Well, yeah, Alabama takes that stuff seriously. They find out they, that's the reason they lost a game 20 years ago. They may come looking for you. So. Yeah, uh, they have a confession now. Uh, yeah. right. they got me, so. Uh, so take us down to the last few minutes of that game. Obviously, we're driving. What's going through your head? I mean, you, you know what we're setting it up for. We're setting it up for you. You've had the chances before and years before. We talk about the games, close games that we just missed. Now it's all going to be sitting yep. on you. Get, put us in your head for that last drive as we're going down the field. I've been waiting for that moment for that point close to seven years uh, from the time I started kicking. And I thought it was going to come down to it. And I'm like, this is actually going to happen. You know, uh, there've been a lot of times where just at the end, we either didn't get in field goal range or there was a turnover or something, but this was happening and I was ready. And I knew that I had to go out there and do my job. Um, the number one thing, like I said earlier with kicking, you have to block everything out. I'm in the kicking nets warming up. Their fans were running down to the um, sidelines, wherever the net was, screaming and cursing at me, um, trying to get in my head, trying to get me to mess up, which I was used to at every away game. They always love picking on the kicker, especially the kicker with a crazy last name like mine. Um, they love using that. But they were all screaming and cursing. I just blocked them all out. And uh, when it was time for me to go out there, I went out there. I knew Mike Hedge, who was my snapper, Jimmy Frizzell, my holder, and my line were going to perform amazing. I had so much confidence in those guys. I knew that ball was going to be put down perfect. And I was just going to have to do like I usually do. It's a good leg swing, kick it through. And it was going to go in. I went out there. They called the timeout to try to ice me, um, which is a kicker's dream, by the way. A lot of people don't know that when you call a timeout to ice them, I would say, I wouldn't say a hundred percent, but 
almost 100% of kickers all want that to happen. And a lot of the coaches don't know that, and a lot of players don't know that. Because when you run out into the field, it's timed. So you have a specific amount of time, obviously, to huddle, run out there, get in formation, line up, balls put down, snap, and play clock. So if something's off, like for some reason the spot's not looking good, or you didn't take the right amount of steps back, or the wind changes and it's like a right to left, we thought it was a right to, or right to left, and it was just going the opposite direction, little things like that, you have all this time to go out there and just – make sure everything's perfect spot's going to be good i can stare at the uprights i can practice five or ten leg swings know how my hips are going to end up i get a feel for the the you know the wind out there the positioning so you're not going to make me more nervous than i already am at that point because it's impossible <laughs> either going to be nervous and you're going to perform or it's already in your head anyways so if you watch a lot of uh professional games even collegiate a lot of the times when they call a timeout nowadays to ice them, the kicker usually they'll, they'll miss it right before they, they call the, the timeout, like the ref didn't catch it quick enough or the ball was played in the field, and you'll see a miss, but then they come back after the timeout and they make it because they know exactly, oh, I know exactly what I did wrong. I got to, you know, I pushed it more to the right when I should have probably brought it a little more to the left. But I like that. So they did that, called the timeout. Um then I got this get set. My line got set, and we put it through the uprights. Is there ever a time you were expecting a team to ice you? They had the timeout, and then they just snapped them. All of a sudden, it's time to kick, and then it kind of messes you up, throws you off a little bit. Um, I've only been called timeout to ice me a few times. It was usually before the halves. Um, we kicked the field like right before like the half ended, and then the coach would use his timeout for the other field. That was the only one I got for a game winner because that was my only time I ever went in to kick a game-winning field goal uh, ever was that game. So that was the first time I got iced to do – they tried to ice me for a game-winning field goal. So I've had them before, but it was usually right before, like, before the half with a few seconds left, and uh, they called the timeout to try to screw me up. Never worked, though. <laughs> I would say less than 1% of, of anybody who is listening or alive right now knows the feeling of going back to college, having won the biggest game for your team single-handedly, right? Take us through that week on campus. Are people just mobbing you everywhere? Are you getting like standing ovations, girls throwing themselves at you? What was Javier <laughs> Berlegi's next week at campus like? Well, it was pretty wild, to be honest with you, because nobody knew who the hell I was. You could see me. I mean, I was a big guy. But I wasn't like an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, or the star quarterback walking around campus where everyone knew who they were. I was a kicker and a punter. You know, you, with a helmet on, you can't tell what I am, who I am. So I wouldn't always run around campus unnoticed. I remember the very next morning after our night uh, celebrating, uh, a bunch of friends of mine went to, I don't remember we had breakfast. I think it was like Burger King breakfast or something. And we went in there and I'm looking at the menu with a couple of my friends and one of the kids behind the counter goes, hey, that's the kicker that kicked the game when you feel against Alabama. I'm like, what? And a bunch of like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, they're all excited and happy. And then I was in the, in the newspaper again because I got notoriety like that before with like front page stuff. And and I go to campus, I go like the subway or something on campus. And that guy like gave me a free sub on them. So people were, noticed me. I was getting run up to for autographs on shirts and stuff. Never did this happen ever <laughs> until then. So. A part of me thought, man, if I had missed that kick, 
<laughs> I thought it was kind of safe. I thought it was kind of safe because nobody knew I was a football player because of the way I looked, you know what I mean, and just my build. But I was like, I wasn't safe. So if that if I missed that one, I probably would have had a rough time. But uh, I knew I was going to make it. But it was it was one of those things to where it was it was cool. And to this day, I love when people talk about it because it obviously was the best athletic achievement in my life. And uh, that was great. And it's a memory that I always smile. And every time someone shows the video, I'll watch it like 10 times before I, I scroll to something else. <laughs> How many times have you made your kids watch that video? Quite a few, to be honest with you. <laughs> Quite a few. And they're just like, whatever, dad. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, you know, it sticks with them. I showed them a few times. And, uh, you know, they, they, they think it's pretty cool. But, you know, they're like, they're at the age of teenagers still. So, like, whatever. Wait till you get, get to show the grandkids one day. That'll be great. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. That's right. What, what, did, what did Cruz say to you after the game? I mean, he, obviously, you know, he, uh, we saw you guys on the show together. Seemed like you still have a, a close relationship. But was he like, hey, great job. I knew you could do it. Was he like, about time you made a kick? What was Cruz's uh, right. statement to you after the game? So, Coach, it was funny because obviously it was chaos. Um, because then we had to do the kickoff right after the field goal. So, everyone was still in coaching mode after like gotten, getting dogpiled and they threw a bunch of flags. Um, so I didn't get to see him right after the game. We're running around the field. Like when the game was finally over, everyone's cheering, going crazy. So I didn't see coach Cruz until I got back in the locker room. So I went in the locker room. He just yelled hobby. He came running up and gave me a huge bear hug and picked me up off the ground. Cause coach Cruz is a pretty strong dude. And he picked me up in the air and was just like screaming. Like, you know, I, that's probably the most excited I've ever seen him hmm. um, after that game. Cause he was a very serious you know, most of the time, coach, all business, but he let down for that one and, and, and uh, celebrated with the guys and he was pumped. So that was my interaction with him. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that kickoff afterwards, you were, you were on kickoff team. That return lasted what felt like 25 minutes. <laughs> How exhausted well, were you? Did you yeah, get close were... to making a tackle? Uh, unfortunately, no. Because that would have sucked if I kick it and then I blow a tackle and he goes through the end zone. But they had we did a squib kick because we backed it up 15 yards because of the um, the rest of a bunch of penalties because we were celebrating on the field um, through the flags. So they didn't want me to kick it in the air, give them hang time. They want for a chance to set up a return. They want me to just kind of little, hit a line drive. Hopefully their lead return didn't get it and uh, squibbed it. But then they started doing all the laterals and, and they you know I think they did like two forward laterals and. You know, the play was over, but they were still running it, you know. So we were, like, in a little bit of a panic. But fortunately, like I said, I think they threw, like, one or two forward laterals, and that was the end of it. And eventually got yeah, tackled you make the too, tackle. So. You make the game-winning kick and get the tackle on that play. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about statue in front of the stadium, maybe. Yeah, that would be cool <laughs> if I could have done that. But I was much more happy that our teammates, my teammates, tackled them. <laughs> so, like I said, they did the. They did. They got him. They wouldn't let him get in the end zone. Javi, how do you look back on our near UCF career? Obviously, you know, the, one of the biggest games in history of UCF, but to your point earlier, you never got a chance to go to a bowl game. Obviously you weren't always in a conference or so didn't, uh, didn't get a chance to play for a championship. How do you look back at your time at UCF? I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm thankful for UCF, the coaching staff for bringing me in to let me experience that the players I played with, and the bonds I made and the experiences that I got to experience. Yeah, we didn't, we weren't in a conference, we were independent, but 
we played so many high cl- class division one programs that I got to experience things that other big division one universities at the time players didn't get to experience. Um, like I said, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Auburn, Purdue, Clemson, Alabama, um, Syracuse, Arkansas. We played Florida. I mean, Florida State, Florida. Over the course of the years, um, teams where sorry, I'm turning my lights back on. Teams where I got to go into those stadiums, see that history, play those teams, and experience those experiences. Um, it was wild, and it was pretty awesome just the history and getting a chance to play against a big division one program. So even though we didn't get the bowl, um, I really don't care to be honest with you. It was something that would be nice to have under our belt, but it didn't change my uh, experience and how I feel about that. Those four years I spent there. Well, and obviously UCF in the last couple of years, really since that 2017 season has been on an upward trajectory. Uh, how often are you able to continue to catch up with the program? Are you able to get back to games? And what are your thoughts on, on where UCF is now? I know I'm sure in 98, 99, you, you expected we'd be here at some point. How cool is it to see where UCF ascended to in the college football world? It's so cool to see how far they've come and how those kids are playing. Um, even they leave after UCF. I'm just so ecstatic. I don't get to go to home games frequently because I'm constantly with my kids' soccer games yeah. and they're very good. My daughter and my son, and we travel. That's where all of our money and time goes. Um, <laughs> my son's at practice right now. He's in the background practicing. So we travel over the state and out of state, uh, usually during the football season. So I do need to get back for some more home games. That's definitely on the, uh, I got to start doing that. And, uh, I, like I said, I, I do follow everything that they do in that program. And I'm very proud that where they've come and to be a part of it and to help contribute a small part of that, that era of, you know, building that program from the start. I was there with those guys and that just means a lot to me. So I'm, I'm super pumped. And I, like I said, even like I said, this past weekend, watching Gabriel Davis, you know, mm-hmm. watching him perform, set an NFL record. I mean, it was just, so awesome for him too, but just UCF, the football program, the fans and the university, it was so cool having that kind of uh, performance watching that. So your kids are soccer players like you were. Any chance we get one of them as a legacy kicker over at UCF in a couple of years or what? We'll see. Uh, like I said, my son hasn't really, we haven't really talked about it much, but it's one of those things to where you don't need to really get into kicking until you're probably right. Starting high school, in my opinion, because if you're playing soccer and doing what he's doing, you're strengthening your leg up quite a bit and you can build the technique. And obviously I know quite a bit about uh, technique and how to get to that level. So if he wants to, absolutely. But if his loves for soccer and he wants to stick with that, he'll, he'll do that, but he's pretty good. And so is my daughter. So if either of them show interest in it, I'll be more than happy to help them and guide them and coach them the best I can. So we'll see. Never say never. No, right, cool. well, we know practice is wrapping up for you soon here. So we're going to let you off the hook, but we got a couple of quick rapid fire questions for you. So these can be questions yeah. about music, movie, sports, anything in the whole wide world. So right. here is my first question for you. You mentioned the kicking tee. Do you still have the jersey from the Alabama game? And if so, where is it? I do. It's in my house. Uh, I have all my jerseys. Well, not all of them, but I got those from that year. I got about four or five of them, but I definitely have that one still um, at my house and it's uh, hanging in my closet. Okay. Well, yeah, we got to get that out a little bit. We got to get in the living room. Can we get that in the dining room? What do you think? 
I, 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 if it was up to me, absolutely. My <laughs> wife, on the other hand, okay. There's only so much room on the on the office walls and everything else. I got, I got, I got plenty of memorabilia from like the the Alabama game, and uh, she played for UCF. My wife, obviously, she was a uh, she was captain of the girls' soccer team, and she played soccer there. So we have the offices filled with you know her achievements, mine, and stuff like that. But yeah, the jersey is pretty big. That's definitely going in the frame eventually. I just not right now, unfortunately. All right, you were there the same exact year as Adam and I were there. We started in 98, too, just like you. So I'm going to go through a list of places. You tell me. I'll, you pick which one was better. Ready? Um, <laughs> the pub or the mill? Uh, I would say the pub. I think the, the pub, pub for me. All right. Uh, how about uh, Wing Shack or homie. the Liquid Cellar? Liquid Cellar all day. Yeah. Two dollar pitchers. Thursday nights, yeah. Absolutely. Two dollar pitchers and your eyes would be watering for three days because of the smoke that was coming out of that place. <laughs> that's true. Uh Devaney's or Calico Jacks. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh Calico Jacks for me. Calico Jacks. All right. Um at the Moon or Have a Nice Day Cafe. How at the Moon, 100 percent We'd always go <laughs> that there. That was the football games, spot, right? That was the football spot. We'd go there doing pianos, and we would be singing like a bunch of idiots and uh, celebrating and had a good time. How at the moon. All right, so if you walked into a bar tomorrow with a shirt on that said Javier Berlegi on it and a crowd full of <laughs> UCF fans, how long before someone buys you a drink? Uh, oh, I, I don't do that, so <laughs> I don't know, to be honest with you. Um like I said, I don't know if anyone would recognize me. I've gained a few pounds since then. And I look old because I'm 42. So <laughs> I don't even know if anyone would recognize me if they even saw me in a place. But uh, I don't know. It'd probably have to be like an event or something. But who knows? How about you let me borrow that jersey? I'll test it out for you. See if I get some free beers. <laughs> That's not, it'll fit you. I'll probably not your size back when it won't fit me. I'll squeeze into it and embarrass my family and my kids. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I'm friends with you on Facebook now. So I see these pictures you post of when you go fishing and they're incredible Absolutely. photos you get. Your, your fishing uh, skills are incredible. Give me your top five fish you've ever caught. Or the best one. Uh, I would I, say you top fives. I would say trophy trout that was over 30 inches. Uh, redfish that was over 42 Cobia that I caught in the flats a couple years ago that was pretty large. And uh, I would say that's it because it's a big snook too, about uh, close to 40 inches I've landed before. So a lot of inshore species and those kind of fish, but those are those are my highlights. Are you my still off Merritt Island? I <laughs> just got dog with practice. No, I'm on the uh, west coast of Florida. I'm in the Sarasota Bradenton area. Okay. My mom and my brothers live on the east coast, Merritt Island. Uh, so I go back home all the time and uh, get to see the family and stuff. All right. We'll let you drive home after this question, Javier. Uh, fill in the blank Absolutely. for me. The best kicker in UCF history is blank. <laughs> like, the best kicker in UCF history. God, it's a rough one. Because there's been too many greats. Yeah. Um, I can't say me. Um, that's a tough one. I can't even say a name, to be honest with you. There's so many greats. We had, uh, God, like, so many. Charlie Pierce, Fred Wazuski, uh, me. We had Matt Prater. Um, God, we've had so many. And then we've had 
I can't say a specific name because to say that they're better than the other one, that's what I'm going through my brain. You'd have to have like certain things, but each one of them has their own achievements and, and whether they're like the highest scoring at UCF, where they got the kick game winning field goals for big significant wins. So the categories are so spread out with achievements that a lot of those guys did that you can't say one's better than the other. So I, I really can't say a specific one. I think they're all great. They all, do you they guys, all did a great job. Do you guys have like a kicker text message thread to you and Prater and <laughs> Matt Wright and, and Katoy and all that? Do you guys yeah, have Matt like Wright a, a, is another great kicker? Do you guys yeah, have like a, right, a kicker exactly. text message thread on a Saturday when the game's on or no? No, actually I have, I, I still come in contact with guys who were there when I was there. Uh, Mike Hedge occasionally, uh, Ryan Flynn, um, Phil, a lot of, a lot of guys um, that I played with during that time, we keep in touch, but guys that came before me or after me, not so much, but I love them. I support them. And anytime I seem to do good, I'll still shoot him a message if I can, like on Facebook or something, and say, proud of you. Great kick. But that's pretty much the extent of it. Well, Javier, you are obviously a UCF legend, one of the biggest uh, uh, one of the biggest moments in UCF history. And I can tell you this, the next time, if we ever see you out, Mike will buy you a beer for sure. We can guarantee you that. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much, man. All right. Thanks for coming on. Have a good one. Charge on. Thanks, Javier. Charge on. Have a good day. Now with Xfinity, you'll get unlimited internet with gig speed and supersonic Wi-Fi. Plus a two-year internet rate guarantee and no annual contract required. You even get a free streaming box. Talk about knock your socks off. It's all just 50 bucks a month when you add Xfinity Mobile with unlimited data. That's the new Xfinity Supersonic Bundle. Go to Xfinity.com slash gig to learn more. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Requires paperless billing and auto pay. New gigabit internet customers only. Xfinity Mobile requires post-pay Xfinity internet. After 24 months, regular rates apply to all services and devices. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-230-2777. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-230-2777. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-230-2777. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-230-2777. 800-230-2777. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you're listening to the Future of UCF podcasting with Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Boom. All right. Look. You rely on us for entertainment. You rely on us for information. Uh, and, and this time, I think we've delivered maybe both of those two things in the same spot. But it's going to come with a bit of a twist. So as I said off the top, if you happen to have maybe some little ones in your car, the, the name of the segment may not be for their for their ears. So you might want to, um, I don't know, you might want to just, uh, that, that sound effect maybe is a little bit of a precursor here. You might just want to keep them uh, safe. And we'll try to keep this word uh, down to a uh, to a minimum as we can here, Mike. But 
look, Twitter is an interesting place. A lot of people are on Twitter and they say a lot of things. Some of them are funny. Some of them are insightful and some of them are just flat out stupid. So what Mike and I are going to do tonight, we're going to go through some of your tweets. That's right, Night Nation, your tweets, the things you're saying, the things you're writing about. And we're going to give you either the opportunity to say this tweet is a good tweet and it belongs on Twitter or it doesn't, Mike. And that's uh, that's how we're going to play this game. We're going to call it Twitter or shitter. <laughs> that's right. Because not only 99.9% of Twitter belongs in the shitter, but now we're going to tell you for sure if this, <laughs> this tweet is worthy of staying on Twitter mm-hmm. or just getting flushed down the shitter. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's. I think I. I think we got that figured out, Mike. So let's. Uh, let's. <laughs> I don't think it's hard to, to conceptualize once you once you lay it out there, Mike. Um, and I don't think it's hard to, to figure out who came up with this. It's also this no, week. no. This is what happens when you text Mike at two o'clock. I'm like, any ideas for anything for the show this week? This is what you get back. But sometimes, sometimes it turns into gold, Mike. I'm gonna let you lead off because I assume you've done a lot of research on. You have a tweet that you want to present. Uh, to the tribunal here, which is really just me and you, to decide whether or not this is uh, Twitter or you know what. Uh, all right, this one is easy. This is probably the reason I thought of this game in itself, so the answer should be easy. But this guy, his name is Eric Goodman. He's a producer for NBC Olympics, as it says on his uh, profile. He decides to tweet out, I guess it was either last night or this morning, quote, if I'm the Bills, I'm pulling a UCF and declaring myself Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. End quote. Mm-hmm. Eric Goodman. Yeah. This tweet. Does it belong on Twitter? Yeah. Or does it belong in the shitter? Oh, Mike, I'm going to hit the sound effect here. This is a uh, this is a tweet that goes into. I'll go crapper right here. I'll try to minimize the word use. I'll go. This is a tweet that belongs in the crapper because we're still doing this joke uh, some six years later. Um, the Bills did not win, which is uh, the other construct here, where obviously UCF actually won those games. Uh, it's not even uh, – it's it's pro football that actually has a playoff where you can decide who the best team is versus college, where it's some of these uh, archaic systems. And uh, at some point, a joke just stops being funny. I don't know when that is. You know, people kind of wear jokes out. I'm not saying if you come bring this thing back in like 10 years, it might not be comical. But for right now, Mike, it just feels like uh, just another tired joke. So I think it was Eric Goodman. Uh, Eric Goodman gets the flush on this tweet. Yeah, that is one of the dumbest tweets. Uh, when you when you use this joke, at least use it properly and do it with a team that wins, right, and, and is for some reason not getting to advance. But you know what? You can't do that because that doesn't happen in any other sport in the world. You win all the games. You go to the end, you're a champion. We won all our games. Nobody beat us this year, that year. And we were the only team to be undefeated that season. So, Eric Goodman, you and your quote, can, you know where you can take it. Uh, congratulations on being the first tweet in this new segment that we have. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's was he the only one you think who made that joke? I mean, it's hard to – I didn't do a, an exhaustive search. I'm not sure if you did either or not. But um feels like he's – you know, he can't be the only one who did that, right? No. Uh, well, I mean, that's the only one I saw. But mm-hmm. I'm guessing, yeah, somewhere out there in the Twitterverse, there was some other idiot that anytime a team loses, which is not even the point of pulling a UCF, as they call it. So, I don't know. This is just one idiot I found today. I don't even know how I saw it. Somebody must have, on my friends, must have liked it or something. I don't know. I was going to pop it up. Somebody retweeted No, I, You know what I think? I think Trace retweeted it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> that's how I saw it. 
All right, Mike. Here, th- this this is a tweet by a lot of people, uh, and this was this is one. I think it's from uh, a Bleacher Report account, Mike. And here's the tweet. You tell me if it belongs in the Twitter or in the other place. Gabe Davis is about to get paid, Mike. Is that a, is that a tweet that belongs or a tweet that should be flushed? Um, sure. I mean, I saw a lot of Gabe Davis tweets. <laughs> I know. Uh, I had people to. People were talking about how much money he's making. Yeah. All, all, the whole day, I just was scrolling through Gabe Davis tweets. Um, I don't know the answer because is his contract up? I don't think so. Right, he's only been in the league two years. You think he's got another year left on his deal? But he is about to get paid, relatively speaking. He's going to get paid next year or the year after. Yeah. So he, he definitely made himself a lot of money yesterday. You know what he had yesterday? Breakout game. Glad you brought this up. Well, not only that, uh, yeah, uh, coming out party, all that. He had. The best UCF performance in the NFL playoffs. I'm not even going to tell you that you know he had a top five. He had the best, number one. We're just skipping the other four. Okay, here we go. Perfect. L- lucky for you, I do have. Oh, jeez. Okay, I wasn't ready for that. Okay, all right, here we go. <laughs> I, the sound effects are ready. I'm ready for you. UCF Knights performance in the NFL playoff game. Number five, Matt Prater. 2013 AFC championship game. He was playing with the Broncos against New England that day. Four for four on his field goals, two for two on his extra points. That's 14 total points for Prater. The Broncos won the game by 10. He had a 27-yarder, a 35-yarder, a 19-yarder, and a 54-yarder to beat Tom Brady in the AFC championship game. Okay. Number four, Asante Samuel, 2005, a 73-yard touchdown interception return against Jacksonville to seal the game put the uh, the Patriots up 28 to 3 at the time he also had four tackles that game and three passes defended Asante Samuel was a bad man back in those days dude he, he really was um he had four postseason interceptions returns for touchdowns you know that I did not he got one against Peyton in the in the championship game one year but Peyton came back and beat him so that's not one of his top five performances, but that one was. The one against Jacksonville. Okay. <laughs> Number three, Dante against the Saints in 2000. 302 passing yards, three touchdowns, and 51 yards on the ground on only four attempts. He hit Randy Moss for a 53-yarder and a 68-yarder. Also hit Chris Carter for a touchdown. Dante was also a bad man back in those days. Um, you remember that game at all? 2000. I do. I do. And the very next week, the Giants beat them up 41 nothing. So I remember that. <laughs> it was great. Was that the game where they put uh, they, they doused uh, defensive coordinator with uh, cups of Gatorade, I believe? <laughs> Probably. I think so, yeah. I think it does come back. It seems uh, to bring something back there in the memory. Uh, number two, also, Dante against Green Bay this time in 2004. 284 yards passing, four touchdowns. Just like Gabe Davis, he threw four touchdowns that day. He ran for 47 on the ground, too. This game, he hit Randy Moss for two touchdowns. Um, I think this was the one where Randy Moss pulled his pants down and wiped his button on the, the goalpost. Like, Is it? You, you might no? be right. Yeah. Different you, might be, uh, you might be right. It was in Lambeau, for sure. So, Dante holds the number three spot and the number two spot in the top five UCF performances in the playoffs. And, of course, number one we saw yesterday, Gabe Davis, eight catches, 201 yards. Four touchdowns against the Chiefs. Dude, he scores a touchdown with 13 seconds to go. You're thinking the game is over, right? How could they possibly lose that game? 
Al Bundy style, four touchdowns first ever wide receiver with four touchdown receptions in an NFL playoff game. Gabe Davis making us all proud. Yeah. Back to Twitter or shitter. Yeah. No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that, that, that was good. That was a good one, though. Uh, all right. So you want me to read a tweet? Yeah, it will be your turn. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh-huh. yeah. I don't really have that many. I, I could scroll through and find a few. Um, okay, you mentioned these guys earlier today, and we were just talking about the NFL. But um, Christian Simmons and Jeff Sharon, both of them, after yesterday's game, Christian Simmons, quote, NFL overtime is, period, so, period, dumb, period. And Jeff Sharon agrees. Fine, I'll say it. Change the overtime rules. Both teams should get the ball once, regardless of what happens on the first possession. Now, in your opinion, are those tweets good for Twitter or do they belong in the other place? What's your opinion? Everybody after that game last night comes out, oh, the overtime rules are dumb. The overtime rules suck. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go to the uh, the shitter on that one uh, because. Kansas City uh, obviously had the ball. Buffalo had a chance to stop them, but Buffalo stops them, and they get an interception. They force a fumble. They force a punt. They go down and score. We're all okay with it, right? So in the mm-hmm. re- reality is if, if if Buffalo had just played a little bit of defense, but don't leave Travis Kelsey wide open on a seam route uh, where he can pick up like 13 yards without even blinking, uh, none of these problems exist. So while I agree that it'd be more fun if that game could have continued, it'd have been great if they were like, all right, Josh Allen, your turn, because I'm sure Gabe Davis would have caught a fifth touchdown pass. Uh, Buffalo had a chance to not make that, not let that happen. And they let Kansas City drive down uh, and obviously score in, in, uh, in overtime and let him drive down uh, even before that and kick the field goal. So Kansas City, while certainly played really well, Buffalo had, a, I think, at least 11 guys on the field at all times to stop them. And they didn't do that. The coin is dumb, but to blame the loss on the coin, I think, is is not right. If you want to look at the uh, the overtime rules and make it exciting, fine. But to say that that's the reason that the Bills lost, I think I'd flush that. Yeah, Everybody's pointing to the coin. Oh, the coin, you know, once the coin gets flipped, that whoever's going to win. Not necessarily. Not if you have a team with a good defense. And the Bills are supposed to have, I think, the best defense in the league, right? They were just worn out by that point. Yeah. Make a stop. You know, make, hold them to a field goal. And then your boy gets a shot with the ball. Just can't allow a touchdown. I, I don't have any problem with that rule. In fact, I'd go all the way back. I, I understand why they did it. But before, when it was sudden death from the beginning, how cool would it have been if a kick return was for a touchdown? back in those days, you know, and the game was over. So um, I, I think this, these tweets, I, I don't agree with them. I mean, I, I guess they're, that's the purpose of Twitter is to actually have debates about these things. But these guys are so final when they say these things. Oh, the, the overtime rules, dumb. Uh, I, I don't think it's dumb. I think a lot of people feel the other way too. So um, go ahead, put it in the uh, toilet. Yeah, I mean, it could be improved, right? I mean, for the entertainment value, sure, you could find a way to get Buffalo the ball in that scenario and let them, let them drive down and let the game continue. No one would have argued that, right, because everyone was having a, a, a fantastic time. But if that game was 3-3 and it was punts every other play, yada, 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 you'd be like, please get this thing over with. So, uh, you know, I, I, I can understand how the rule should be looked at, but to say that was the cause, I don't know, Mike. Um, here's my that next game would still be going on. It might still be going on. Gabe <laughs> Davis, 19 touchdowns. Here's uh, here's my next tweet for consideration. It's come uh, comes up courtesy of an old friend of ours, a friend of ours, Mr. J.P. Gilbert, Mike. 
And uh, this is actually a retweet, a quote tweet uh, to the announcement that Addition Financial has signed Renaya Jones to be their spokesman, uh, spokeswoman, spokesperson, I guess. Uh, she, of course, is on the track team. And JP's tweet is as follows. AAC champion, unlike their last spokesman. Does that uh, stay on Twitter or go in the you know water? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, this is classic JP trash talk. Yep. I like it. Yep. Everybody knows who he's talking about. Yep. And he doesn't even have to say the name. So that's good. He didn't have to tag him, right? He didn't nope, tag no tagging. The name not mentioned. Nope. No. Exactly. So he made a joke. I think it's funny. I think a lot of UCF fans agree with him. So uh, this can stay right there. I like it on Twitter. I agree. I thought it was, uh, it's, it's comical. It's, it highlights obviously the attributes of Renaya Jones, how she's a, a champion and obviously spells out a bit of a shade at the former edition financial spokesperson that, uh, um, that played in a UCF athletic game. JP Gilbert typically spot on with his tweets. Mike, I agree with you. This one, this one belongs on Twitter. This one can stay. <laughs> yeah. Especially, I think we're all on the same page right now when it comes to the, uh, our old quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we all love Renaya, so um, go ahead. This is a good one. Okay. I don't really have too many. I'm, I mean, I'm scrolling. Through I got now. one. I got one more. If you're ready for one, this this we may, we may end it on this one because I think this one could get you uh, going for a while. All right, this ahead. this tweet comes courtesy of our friend uh, Chris Robinson C Rob at Rock C Robsta, and he tweets: Jack Clumpus is an all-time Seinfeld heel. Twitter or shitter, Mike. Jack Clumpus. Um, <laughs> that, that was um, was that Morty's friend? It is, yeah, Morty's Seinfeld? friend. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got on the tip calculator. He did. And all that stuff. Yep. The pen, I think that writes upside down. I think that was Jack Clumpus. Oh yeah, yeah. Keep the pen. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> so what is he saying? He's an all-time heel. Yep, all-time heel. Yep. The best. Better than. I mean, you consider Poppy a heel? Uh, is Newman is it New, is Newman a heel? Newman, I guess, is definitely a heel. He's probably the most common one. Yeah, he's on the show. What, what, what are we saying here? Just <laughs> characters? Uh, obviously, not the main characters. But he's talking just. Hmm. Yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, this is a tough. Jack Columbus is good. Uh, Bob Sacamano. Bob you never Sacamano seen him? was good. Nope. That was a, nope. That was another good one. So, <laughs> you can keep it on Twitter. I'm glad you brought it up. Now I have to think about this. Okay. And I'll have to find this tweet. What have the replies been to this thing? Uh, zero replies. <laughs> but to be fair, <laughs> he, he posted it nine minutes from when I'm reading this. So, nine minutes ago. Uh, so, at uh, nine, uh, 9.56, he posted this tweet. It's 10.06 now. That's not nine minutes, but you know what I mean. Type in Bob Sacramento and see what he says. All right. Let's see if I get a reply. I don't know if he's uh, he's on the Saka uh, <laughs> Mano, right? M A N O. Maybe there's a T in there. Saka Manto. I don't know. Saka Mano. Right. I don't know. All right. All right. I'll, I'll reply back. We'll see what we get here. <laughs> I always thought you know, we do. A, an expert I always thought we do a podcast where I just reply to people's tweets and just wait and see if they reply back to us. Go ahead. <laughs> You know, the expert is on this. Sign Pez. I be, it better be Sign Pez. If this thing it isn't on the uh, the live show mailbag questions, uh, we may need to bring it up. <laughs> Every time I try to reply to people in, uh, on Twitter, most of the time I'm just searching for Seinfeld gifts to put on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, there was a good one the other day. I forget what it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm out of tweets. Somebody tweeted. Um, 
a nap would be a pretty good t right now or something. I mean, what, what about tweets like that? Is that just a filler that people are just talking to themselves and they, they um, don't have anybody to text or something? I don't know. What is that? I got, I got another one for you really quickly. Ready? Mm -hmm. Haven't watched a play of the game yet. But I did just see yeah, the Katy Perry that. video, and now I may watch the second half. Mike, Twitter or That's shit? Right. No, that goes right on Twitter. I know exactly who wrote that one. Yeah, and that was the national championship game. We got done recording right at uh, right around halftime. I went in there, I put the TV on because I, I was planning to watch the second half when we were done, but I didn't watch the first half at all. Mm -hmm. And apparently, it wasn't that entertaining anyway. Yep. And then Katy Perry was looking nice, and I put the TV on. I saw her on there, and I, I stuck around for the second half. Okay. You, you had some positive replies. Drew Bellani said, yeah, she drew me in. And uh, and Jay, who's charged on three, just has the gift that says really big. <laughs> uh, those guys are fun. Yeah. So uh, Drew's always interesting on Twitter, too. Drew, Drew is as a Yankee fan. Um, you talk about hot seats. That guy's one that's fire. Everybody after each game, there's 162 of them. So, yeah. <laughs> Drew's always a, a good time. Yeah, always a good time. No, no response yet from Chris Robinson. So, unfortunately, this segment may end without him actually giving us his information in terms of his. Uh, we need a top five. Maybe we'll get back to Chris and have a have him give us a top five for the live show. Top five Seinfeld he's heels. Gonna, yeah, he's gonna have to define heels, and I'm gonna have to think about that one for a minute. Okay. Actually, he did respond. Yeah. Uh, he's on the all-time characters you don't meet list, along with cousin Jeffrey. Cousin Jeffrey, he works for the Parks Department. <laughs> he does. He does. I will, I will message Chris and let him know this is on the podcast and also get his official top five. Maybe he's going to come on. The, I don't know what a rundown is for Thursday, but we may need Chris Robinson on oh. the show. Bump whoever else is on there. BJ Taylor, take a week off. We're doing side <laughs> All right, coming up next, what we are doing is Cow of the Week. Uh, and maybe it's uh, Mike. I don't, I don't know who it's going to be. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Okay, sons of UCF, both of you, you are the father. All right, it's cow of the week time, Mike. We pay homage to our friends on the West Coast there who are directionally challenged, and we make up uh, funny things that took place, call them cows of the week, and uh, we share them with you, the audience, so you, uh, you are welcome. Mike always leads off when we do these kind of things. Mike, who do you want to nominate for cow of the week? I don't know if this is even in the right segment. We, maybe this should have been back in the last segment that we just did. Talking about Twitter and what people posting and stuff. 
Um, there's a new phenomenon going on out there right now. I believe it's called Wordle. Right? Yep. That's seen people post these right. Wordle puzzles. It's just a daily thing. Huh? You just click on the website and every day they, they give you a new uh, puzzle to solve. Is that the way it works? Yeah, essentially. And everybody who clicks on it has the same puzzle. So it's not like, you know, you have one, I have the other. In that time block, if you play Wordle, you only get one play. Everyone's getting that same word. So it's, it's an interesting comparable with other people to see how you do versus how they did. Gotcha. I've gotten lucky. I've only played it a couple of times and you know, I've only heard of it a few times. And a couple of times I saw people post it on there. I clicked on it and I, I've done pretty well. I've, I've done it three times and I solved the puzzle each time and I did it in two chances or three chances. I think it was the most it took me. So maybe I'm just lucky. It all depends on that first word, how many letters you get and all that stuff. Anyway, anyway, the cows are not the people that play Wordle or the people that even post it. Because I would have never even heard about it if it wasn't for that. The cows are the people that take the time to complain about people posting and <laughs> posting their Wordle. I've seen more posts about people complaining about Wordle than I've actually seen people posting their Wordle puzzles. Maybe I just don't have friends that play Wordle. I have no idea. <laughs> Whatever it is. But um, I- I've seen a big pandemic of people. Maybe pandemic's the wrong word here. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> complaining about complaining about Wordle posts. Is that even the right context for pandemic? I don't even think that fits. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Okay. Definitely not. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> don't throw me off here. I was on a roll. I didn't mean to. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Those people are the Calloways. People that just go on Twitter just to complain about other people, Calloways. How's that? That's succinct. Wow. I didn't know pandemic was going to throw you off that badly. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a lot of people who are getting mad about the Wordle. I know if you don't know what it is and you see the tweet or the the Facebook post or wherever you're going to put that thing, it looks kind of weird because it's just got you know, squares. What do the numbers really mean? Uh, you know, so I could see how it throws people off. But then once they figured it out, but I guarantee like you said, personally, like you saw somebody post it and you were like, what the hell is that? Right. You went and sought it out to figure out what it was. You searched it and you're like, oh, let me try this thing. And sounds like you did really well on your first one. My second or third row seems like where you were. And you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then you came back the next day and next day. So really, it's a genius marketing scheme to get people to play Wordle. But of course, it's the internet. And half the people are mad at everything. So everyone, half people are mad that people are playing Wordle. And I just think those are people who didn't get the word right. <laughs> Probably. And, you know, if you really don't want to hear about things, there is a feature where you just type in, you know, you can mute certain words. And anytime people type out Wordle, you'll never see it. So, yeah. Well, why, why, why do they need to complain? People got to complain. I don't know. Mike, I have two particular nominees for uh, Cal of the Week. Number one, uh, the University of Miami Hurricanes announced, I believe it was today or over the weekend, but it broke today, that they are getting rid of the turnover chain. They are no more with the turnover chain, Mike. Uh, and I think that's a Cal of the Week move because that's really all Miami has going for it these days. That's really the only thing they've been known for the last five years is the turnover chain. They haven't been known for performance on the field. They haven't been known for, uh, you know, really big wins. It's really been the turnover chain. That's really their last identity uh, of relevance right now. They're really all in that Mario Cristobal is going to turn this thing around. So I think maybe Miami, Cal of the Week, premature removal of the turnover chain. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you what, I think that's probably the best thing they've done in the last 20 years is get rid of it. Because... um, you know, it was silly. We, we've talked on here how we never wanted UCF to have one of those stupid things, not just a chain or a belt or a backpack like FSU had a few years ago. So um, I think Mario's actually doing the right thing, going in there, get rid of it. Now, I don't think it had to be announced. 
You know, you could have just gone into the season next year and people would be like, oh, where's the turnover chain? Eh, we're not doing that anymore. That's it. So if you know, they could be cows of the week for having to come out and announce that we're not doing that anymore, I think. <laughs> I, they made money off the turnover chain, right? They marketed the crap out of that thing. They sell T-shirts that look like you're wearing the turnover chain. Yeah. So I, I, it was a thing for a while. I think maybe it was okay for a year, maybe two at tops. And you say it's been going on for five years. Yeah, they need to get rid of that thing. Yeah, I don't agree it's stupid, but it's it's really all they got. I mean, they should have held on to it for this year, see how they played. If they won, then Mario goes, you know what? We're a good football team. We're winning games. Get rid of the stupid chain. But if Mario trots out a five and seven year, they're going to be like, where's that chain at? So I think maybe a year too early. That's all I'm saying, Miami. That's all they had going for him. Uh, I, I don't really know which one of these two gentlemen is the cow. Maybe it's it's both. Maybe it's us. But was I the only one who was a little uncomfortable watching Gabe Davis absolutely just destroy Mike Hughes into the ground for a touchdown catch. And I don't know if that makes Gabe Davis the cow for the, the, the brutal murder of Mike Hughes on that route. I don't know if it makes Mike Hughes the cow for falling over like he you know, got yanked in the neck with one of those like old canes from a cartoon. <laughs> I don't know who's the cow or is it us because we had to watch UCF and UCF crimes. Something about that made me need to take a shower, Mike. <laughs> I didn't catch it live when it happened. I, maybe I just missed that touchdown, or I don't remember. Maybe the part when I was grilling. I don't know. But I did see the replay this morning, and that play was so nasty. The fake that he gave him, <laughs> and then I didn't. And then I realized it was Hughes, and I stopped laughing because you know that's our guy. Yeah. <laughs> but man, what what a move by Gabe. And yeah, it does suck that it was Hughes because you know we all love Mike, and you can never do any wrong in our eyes. So. He got the win, at least, and he maybe he'll get to play in the Super Bowl. Maybe he'll <laughs> I don't make know a if big he's play. Get to play in the Super Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he'll make a big play on Championship Weekend and redeem himself or something. So we are rooting for him now. But yeah, Gabe made everybody look silly yesterday. And that was just a head fake. He didn't even really – he just turned his head in that direction really quickly uh, and then just broke to the inside. And, and Hugh, again, he looked like one of those like old like cartoons where Bugs Bunny puts the, the cane out around your neck and you go slipping out from underneath you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know who's the cow on that one. I, Gabe has to do him that dirty like that. I mean, you know, uh, at least if he's going to let him battle and catch a touchdown, I'm good with that. But he flat out embarrassed the poor guy. And then Mike Hughes, eesh. He's got those Johnny Richardson <laughs> cleats on or something. I don't know. That just that just felt wrong. <laughs> you say there's no coming back from that? You don't think he can play in the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, he had a bad play. He's got a short memory. He's a defensive back. He'll be he'll come back. I got faith in Mike. Have you seen those uh, uh yeah. those those Coach Thirty videos on Twitter where the guy yeah. <laughs> that Mike Hughes <laughs> is definitely getting one of those this week? There's no questions asked. I mean, that's absolutely oh. gonna be Davis. <laughs> then you got Davis here. There's no way <laughs> that Mike Hughes doesn't get one of those videos. The first one I ever saw of those was the one from the Gasparilla Bowl, yeah. UCF versus Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I was cracking up. And then I've seen a few other ones since. He does a lot of the same jokes. So, <laughs> the uh, exact same jokes every time. <laughs> it's something about your mom on the corner <laughs> pissing down your leg and your dad walked out like he always did. It's the same jokes every time. But it's still hysterical. I don't care who you are. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> he plays the other guy's character, too, and he makes amazing. <laughs> it's pretty funny. 
yeah. Mike Hughes collision course uh, for for that. Uh, so that's uh, that's Catholic Mike. A big thanks to uh, Javier Borlegi for hopping on the show this week. Um, again, if you aren't familiar with Javier, if you're kind of a newer fan, uh, he uh, he, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. You can actually check our special. It's still out there on YouTube, Mike, on the 20 year anniversary show we did with uh, with him, Ryan Schneider, Coach Kruzek, and uh, and Tyson Hinshaw. Uh, it's a nice walk down memory lane. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, it's a fun one as well. But uh, Javier, tell some good stories, Mike. Uh, he, he's, he was a part of some really important times for UCF, and uh, it was great to catch up with him. And great to see he's still out there. You know, always good to see a guy who's you know active in the community and law enforcement. He's fishing. He's taking his kids to soccer. Um, just an overall good guy, Javier Berlegi. Yeah, a couple of times we've got to speak to him. I've really enjoyed it. He's a very good guy. Uh, some really cool stories. And he was there at the same time as us, man. We, we know exactly what we're talking about when we say the mill or Calico Jackson. A lot of people listening to this or people that are at school now have no idea what we're talking about. So um, I, I love Javi. I, I thought he was very good on, on the uh, interview. And hopefully we keep in touch with that guy and uh, get him to a game soon because he needs to get back out there on campus. Well, who Maybe wants his kids? are playing at UCF in a few years. Well, who knows, Mike? I mean, we're doing a position-by-position position breakdown on the live show. Uh, kicker's coming up soon. Maybe Javi Berlegi makes a, a return appearance to break down the, the kicking position. This week on the live show, Mike, offensive line is uh, is in focus. So we have an offensive line guest, I think, coming up. And, again, that's Thursday, uh, 8 p.m. on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Just search Sons of UCF, any of those places, or go to our website, twonightsmedia.com. Mike, that's where you can hear and or see us next. Again, if you're listening to this on audio, you want to go to the YouTube page and you want to check out the video interview with Javier Berlegi. Uh, definitely was a good time. A lot of good content on that. A lot of good t- content on the website. A lot of good content everywhere, but it's all for nothing without you people. So we appreciate everyone out there for listening, watching, supporting. Uh, these shows are a blast to do, and they're a blast to do because of you guys. So big thanks. Uh, big thanks from us at the Sons of UCF. That's right. And we see our followers' numbers grow day by day, especially now on the YouTube page where we're posting a lot of content where you can see this interview. And you're going to want to see Javi's finger, how banged up it is. But we're getting closer and closer to tattoo time. So the more <laughs> of you guys getting on there yeah. and following the page, yep. uh, go ahead and we'll give you an update as we get closer. Uh, Robert, uh, Robert is personally going to lead the charge for tattoo time. I think it'll peter out at some point, but who uh, who knows? But make sure you check in those hijinks on Thursday. Again, a big thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Javier Berlegi for hopping on the show uh, and all the support out there. If you like what we're doing, five-star ratings, thumbs-up reviews, whatever you can do, uh, that always helps some stuff out. We'd appreciate all that, Mike. You have a fantastic week, my friend, and uh, I think we'll catch up with everybody again on Thursday in the live show. Until, uh, until that happens, everybody, you know what? Go Knights. Charge on. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.